What's up, Shooters Pod Universe? Nick Bacone here with another classic episode this week. We put up a poll on our Twitter at the Shooters Pod, and you guys voted for ECW One Night Stand 2006. We dove deep into this show on June 13th of last year. It was before the official relaunch of ECW as WWE's third brand, where Rob Van Dam cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase against John Cena at the Hammerstein Ballroom. But first, on this episode, number 328, we talked about Cody Rhodes wrestling Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell with a torn peck. This would be Cody's last match before he obviously would get that peck surgically repaired. We also talked about John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW Interim World Heavyweight Championship at Forbidden Door. And some more current nonsense that was happening in June 2022. So here it is, episode 328, our ECW One Night Stand 2006 Deep Dive. Acknowledge me. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. Oh. Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm done with that. You've got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. All the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. I love Burger. I was like, yes. <laughs> like, this guy's awesome. We ride the bicycle to the arena. With my man, man, pots and pants, Nick McCone. That's me. Are you humanoid? Get ready. I don't know where the kid is that was a ratchet, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. This gets a But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be I got no wrestling. He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling. Well, he know that wrestling, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to hop over the table. What the fuck? You are empty, break your heart. What a beast. No sleep, no What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in that land, and welcome to episode 328 of the Stray Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone, the Philly Influencer, and Fox PHL, the Gambler. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us on episode 328. It is a deep dive. Last week, we dove deep into ECW One Night Stand 2005. Well, we're turning the clock ahead just one year. To ECW One Night Stand 2006, which took place on June 11th, 2006. So we're just a day past the 16th anniversary of this show as we record this here on a gloomy and cool Sunday morning here in Philadelphia on June 12th, 2022. So yeah, we're going to dive all into it. It's a very interesting show uh, because this one, unlike the year before, is not a one-off for ECW. This is a relaunch, essentially, of a third brand in WWE. We're going to talk all about it. But before we get into it, I got to do my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pants. Nick, how are you on this ugly Sunday morning, my good brother? I'll tell you, I'm kind of basking in the glory of my Twitter engagement for the past week. Uh, Thank you to the Phillies. 
uh, for <laughs> uh, everyone loves those radio calls. But Scott Fransky, our radio play-by-play announcer here in Philly, if you're not familiar, uh, I post videos with his radio calls a lot, a lot of the exciting ones. And uh, it just took off this week. I mean, the Phillies are, what, nine wins in a row? So uh, people are jonesed up right now. And, uh, yeah, I uh, posted, I made like a National Scott Fransky Day thread a couple days ago. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, it it feels kind of cool. I was like, maybe uh, the underscore Pacone Twitter account will stick instead of me trying to get back by uh, (laughs) suspended account, which was actually a year ago this week as well. Oh, man little anniversary note there but uh yeah i mean it's been it's been uh good for my twitter engagement good for the phillies and uh i guess okay for wrestling i mean like hell in a cell was pretty darn good cody rhodes wrestled with a torn peck we actually recorded our last show before hell in a cell so maybe we could touch on that but yeah that was an incredible incredible performance by him and i think he did that on purpose like he wants to be known for yes for that incredible performance and listen man he deserves it you know look <laughs> we didn't record like you said we recorded the podcast the morning of hell in a cell and i don't think by that point we had known that we had knew that he was injured yet right well i think um, like we knew he was pulled from the house show that saturday night but we, okay. we it wasn't even noted by the time we were recording whether it was like a serious injury or not a lot of people were just like oh it, I guess just to keep him safe for hell, the hell of the cell match, and lo and behold, yeah, keep him back. safe. <laughs> keep him safe would have been sent, sending him home. Yeah, right. Uh, but he worked a hell in a cell with a torn pack. Clearly, this pack was all jacked up because when he took that jacket off oh, at his entrance, it was like it was like a, a a gory scene in a horror movie. It was like, oh my god, dude! The fans I, were like so uncomfortable that were there, like they didn't I, know what to think. It was like body horror. It was like watching The Thing. And like The Thing pops up out of the guy's chest at one point in the movie. If anybody's seen The Thing, you know what I'm talking about. It's one of the best scary, best like, I guess you call it jump scare technically, but one of the best like scenes that makes you go, oh my God, in, in cinematic history. Uh, but that's why people reacted to uh, Cody's arm, and rightfully so. I've never seen somebody's arm look like that, that black and blue um, in my life. And I would not recommend anybody do what cody did uh but cody's a little different he's got a lot of money <laughs> so he's a little more secure in his life and you know, as far as his wealth if you're an independent wrestler sit your ass down there's no guarantee that you're going to get those medical bills paid for if you work hurt like that i would not recommend this for everybody but cody different situation again he got a lot of money a lot of security he's fine so i guess he can afford to work with a torn peck with that said working with a torn peck I mean, look, that's that's a level of guts that a lot of other people don't have. Is it smart? Probably not. It is not smart. I would not recommend it, especially for uh, if you are a, a talent that's nece- not necessarily working with the funds that uh, Cody Rhodes is working with. But it's 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 gutsy, and he got through it. He won, and now he's got to sit down for a while. And WWE is like, what do we do now? <laughs> like. What the hell? Like, we already don't have Roman. We sat him down for a little while to give him a break, uh, which he deserves. But in the meantime, you're going to have something else to do, right? And Cody's like, they're going to build it around him. And now he's gone mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. We got him and WWE out for a while. We got CM Punk out in AEW for a while. Yeah, it's rough. And uh, WWE's already missing Sasha, Naomi, Roman. And now they're out of, they're missing Cody as well. 
Charlotte's going for a little bit, bit little bit because she got married. Uh, Bailey still hasn't returned. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot going on. They they yeah. ooh, they're in rough shape right now. But yeah, uh, I'll I'll give Cody some credit for for t- wrestling with the torn pack. He's a monster for that. I would again, I wouldn't recommend it, but he's a beast for it. I I guess you know he would have to be told you know you're not going to do more damage. Uh, it is what it is type of thing. So I, if he can you know withstand the pain, obviously he did. Right. Uh, you know I I understand the the mentality behind that. I I guess like I shouldn't say like to that level, but I do understand it to even a lower level. Like I used to do the same thing when I would play sports or whatever, uh, got through pain or whatever. But oh, this yeah. is a completely different level. You know, I'm, we're not talking about high school sports here. We're talking about the right. biggest uh, wrestling, well, like sports entertainment. God forbid. Uh, you know, the biggest company where uh, he he just returned to, and now all of a sudden he gets hurt. Like I'm sure, even in his mind, he doesn't want to. Uh, you know, yeah. he's in the main event of that Hell in a Cell against Seth Rollins. He doesn't want to let Seth down, first of all. And obviously, he feels a certain way towards Vince McMahon that none of us are going to understand. And uh, But so also, just, this the timing is very poor because this right. is the biggest run of his life. Right. He's never had a run like this. Yeah. So, yeah, and they say, a, uh, I guess they officially announced he was out for nine months, and I think they ooh. just pushed that a little bit because, you know, if I... I could see him return at the Rumble as a surprise. I, I already put it out there that I know people are like, oh, like, you know, if his rehab goes well, he could still return at the Rumble, even though they say nine months. And obviously everyone's setting themselves up for uh, failure when if he doesn't return at the Rumble, they're going to be pissed off, number one. And number two, if he is in good shape and he's clear to return, they might announce it before the Rumble to see just to have people tune in or whatever. And people are going to get mad at that because – He's quote unquote not a surprise. Uh, I am. That's the one thing. Like I just can't help but think about in my mind because how this happens every year now around Royal Rumble time, where people get mad when WWE announces somebody's there, going to be there, and not using it as a surprise. Versus you guys talk about it for like months about what should be a surprise and what shouldn't be a surprise, and they get mad about it. Uh, I just get annoyed by that. Only wrestling of, fans, would- yeah. Yeah, I just get, get mad so about by that. Get mad about not being surprised, but you've been talking about it for months. So exactly. how are you surprised? Like they book, not surprised. They book what they want themselves, and then when that doesn't happen, they get pissed. It's right. like, dude, especially I hate, especially that. around Rumble time. I yes. can see other times you're yes. like, oh, this is a good match they they could do. This is a good match they should do in the on the main event, blah blah blah, and they didn't do it. Okay, you can disagree with the decision, but also for the surprises, that's just let's just leave it alone and. Right. It, and also, it's okay to announce names ahead of time. But uh, we'll see how long Cody is out. I would imagine that if he's out until the Rumble, he can come back and win that thing, and they can pick up where they left off with him. Uh, I don't know if the momentum will still be there. That's the whole thing. It's like, you got the momentum now. You got to strike while the iron is hot, and Cody is hot right now. But will he be hot? If, if, if he were to return in January, will he be as hot? We don't know. We'll have to see. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Because the time was now, and you don't know if you can capture that months from now, whether it's five, six, seven, whatever, how many months it is, it's not always easy to recapture it. So time will tell what happens with Cody, but we do know what's going to happen with the AEW Interim Championship. It will be defended at Forbidden Door later this month, and we know the opponents now. We know the combatants, I should say. It was going to be... 
CM Punk versus Tanahashi. And I don't know if they actually announced that being a title match or not. Um, but that was going to be the main event of Forbidden Door. And that was going to be a huge match. And I was going to be looking forward to it along with a lot of other people. But unfortunately, CM Punk injured his foot. He, I think he needs surgery. I'm not sure if he needs surgery or not. But he's going to be out for an extended period of time. He will not drop the title, though. AEW will crown a interim champion at Forbidden Door. Tanahashi, by vic- virtue of his victory over Go at Dominion, will be at Forbidden Door. So his, his spot in that match is uh, still in place. But his opponent is going to be not MJF, as I suggested last week. <laughs> Instead, it's going to be John Moxley. And that's our main event for Forbidden Door. Kyle O'Reilly won the Battle Royal. He went on to face John Moxley last week in the main event of Dynamite. And John Moxley won. So here we are. Moxley versus Tanahashi, main event, Forbidden Door. Not quite the uh, same name value and cachet as CM Punk and Tanahashi would have. Uh, but we're here. <laughs> you know, you talk about you're worried Cody might lose steam. If they, the, what they're doing, try to make this work shoot look legit with even more Time Warner executives that are saying like, uh, get MJ off off like the promotional uh, posters or whatever the promotional ads. Uh, MJF's in in trouble of losing that steam too. You think so? And I, I probably less. I don't necessarily think Cody would be in trouble of losing that steam because I think the WWE audience would uh, love like his return. I, I think that's a different, obviously, type of audience than AEW. But uh, maybe with the AEW audience, he's not in trouble of losing too much steam. But you know, if that if, if his last if the last uh, what's the word? The last uh, mention of him on AWTV was that shoot promo, and they haven't said anything about it. They're not saying anything, you know, behind the scenes, pub- like in, in interviews or whatnot. Or Tony Khan's not mentioning it at all. Like after like maybe a month, people will just be like, okay, like, well, what's going on here? Like, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. It doesn't. For me personally, I mean, like, what is there to look forward to? Unless he shows up a forbidden door, like, that would be, I think, the latest that would make sense for him to, like, at least show up and do something so he doesn't lose complete steam. But if he, if they go through forbidden door and he's nowhere to be found, I mean, like, what, what is that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I think that makes sense from a standpoint. I do say, I get, and I'm trying to I'm kind of harkening back to CM Punk in 2011 when I thought WWE brought him back too soon. Mm-hmm. Because and they didn't really do much. He didn't really do much when he was gone. And then when he came back, it was just like, okay, you're going to face John Cena now. And even then, they butchered that with the whole cash in uh, Del Rio and all that. Nobody asked for any of that. Um, and I understood like trying to have this title versus title thing at SummerSlam. I kind of understood that. It also could have worked to have CM Punk not show up until SummerSlam and have him show up there to challenge Cena or something like that. Cena has a normal title match or whatever. Whatever the case may be, I don't know. But the point is, I think there is some room to have some anticipation for MJF's return. You don't want to just hotshot it right now. You don't have to necessarily, right? Also, I think MJF is such a good talker that when he does come back, he can talk people right back into it and get people reengaged where not everybody yeah. can. And yeah. 
maybe in WWE term, like we think about this type of thing in WWE, they fail to capitalize on people so many times that we kind of lose faith in them have you know and them being able to do it. When AEW is a different promotion with different uh, creative people behind different people behind the creative, maybe they can capitalize on the momentum that MJF has built up, even with him being gone for say a month, maybe even two. But they can still potentially pick up where they left off with WWE. They just, it just they just fumble it, you know. So I would I would I'm still reserving judgment on that. I understand your point though, and that you don't want to, people to lose interest. But I think once MJF comes back, he can get people he can get people right back. He can get them reengaged right up with one with one promo, and they're right back at it. So that's just my thoughts. But I could be wrong. You might be right. Yeah, I guess it's because uh, you know you're doing this now with CM Punk hurt, and uh, you, I, I guess in terms of wrestling and the landscape of WWE and AEW, how different it could be if they uh, if they had MJF like on TV going through this thing. But obviously, they have it; they should have it planned out long term. AEW normally does, uh, so I do wonder what uh, you know is, is to come of this whole MJF thing. And I guess because, like you just mentioned, how much talent is out, not only in WWE, but AEW, I feel like maybe like with the summer coming up and it would be perfect to just have give MJF his run now versus uh, waiting a little bit. But I do understand your point, too, that uh, MJF is good enough that, uh, you know, they keep him off TV for a while and then bring him back one promo can everyone could buy back in again. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the plan is and if he will lose steam when he comes back versus if he just regains it right away. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's, it's it, At the very least, it's interesting. And that's good. It is. <laughs> like, yeah, at I the mean, very least, we got we've that. Been, we've been waiting I'm not bored. for years, you know, for interesting to return. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, not ap- now, so. I'm not apathetic towards it. I'm like, I'm, I want to see what's going to happen next. And if it, I have to wait a while, a little bit to, for it to happen, okay. But I, I'm interested. Also, before we transition to the deep dive, uh, I just saw a tweet come along my timeline. Uh, it's from This tweet is from at Dar True God. I don't know who this person is. I'm just oh. shouting them out because they did posters. Um, they posted a screen grab, I guess, of the of Fight TV's bundle for Ric Flair's last match. Oh, boy. Uh, that's happening July 29th <laughs> at the Nashville Fairgrounds, which is a bizarre place to have Ric Flair's last match. Because was he? He has really no connection to Nashville, and I don't think that was really a Jim Crockett. I don't think that was a stop along the the way on for Jim Crockett promotions. Even though this match is te- technically promoted by quote unquote Jim Crockett promotions, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But they had this bundle on fight that's for two hundred and seventy nine dollars and ninety nine cents. You can watch it live and on demand. I'm not sure what's a part of this bundle. What all you get in this bundle? It doesn't even list it. Not that I, not, not on the screen grab that I'm looking at here. This is just a screen grab from this one tweet. But I kind of want to look it up now just to see <laughs> what I mean, exactly. It better be you like get. thirty plus programs to watch if it's so. Like that. You can watch the roast of Ric Flair on July 29th for $17.99. Uh, so I guess that's part of the bundle. Right, the roast. Yeah, you get to watch him get roasted. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, it's weird because there's another bundle that's even less for two hundred dollars. 
still a lot of money <laughs> but i don't know what's in all in this bundle like I, is a is a big bundle like the roast and the starcast stuff and his last match it's still not worth two hundred seventy nine dollars. Yeah, I, look, I'm like, just come on. I'm just trying to figure it out, bro. I'm just trying to figure it out. Is Conrad the promoter of this or something? Jeez. So let's see. Yeah, you get. I guess in this bundle you get multiple things. Every um, Starcast five. Oh, show, here we go. Here we go. I got it now. Here, match, the roast of Ric Flair and something more. You will have yeah, every Starcast. So here, here's what you get in this bundle. This for two hundred. I'm not sure when they saw the two seventy nine thing. Okay. Yeah, but I in this see it is two hundred. Right in this particular bundle that you can get from Fight TV for Ric Flair's last match, quote unquote, until his next last match potentially. You get every Starcast five show, Ric Flair's last match, and the roast of Ric Flair for the smooth price of two hundred dollars or one hundred dollars, one hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Plus tax, I would assume on that. There's more. And there's more. Oh, and something more. You will have a piece from the event in your home because this, with this bundle, you receive exclusive ring use canvas piece and a commemorative limited edition plaque. That's nice. That's nice. I mean, I'd buy it for fifty bucks. I don't know. (laughs) Not for two hundred. I don't know. I don't know about that. What is the two seventy nine bundle though? That's what I want to know. I just want to know that. <laughs> what is a two seventy nine bundle? What do you get? Is that do you get Ric Flair? Is that like adjusted for inflation or something? <laughs> Look, if it's adjusted for inflation, we might be paying eight hundred dollars to see this match. <laughs> adjusted for inflation. I mean, I have no desire at all to uh, witness this. So oh no, not at all. I, not one bit. I don't know. Not why one bit. This had to be a thing, but maybe like the roast of Ric Flair might be the only interesting part of that for me personally but yeah especially if you got some actual comedians up there right. who can tell jokes <laughs> you know and can really rip on flair for like you know wrestling at 73 yeah. whatever he is or what he did in that plane ride <laughs> multiple oh my god don't yeah that's that's gonna be a joke that's definitely gonna get made light there's somebody gonna make light of that yeah. um but like how many divorces has he had and <laughs> all that stuff he just gotta he just broke up with his most recent woman like a lot going on with this man, but that's that for the current nonsense going on in the wrestling world. Are you ready to dive deep into ECW One Night Stand 2006 for some more hardcore wrestling nonsense? I will be the Messiah of the New Breed Unleashed, the Rabbi of the Revolution, the Swinging Slung of the Extreme! Like I said, nonsense. Zero, like like the office. Zero days since last nonsense. Zero episodes since last nonsense. Can't imagine him doing that promo with like Roman Reigns in the ring nowadays. Roman Reigns would be like, "What? Swing slong? What are you talking about? Why? Like, actually, why? Uh, the swinging slong of extreme, my tribal chief. Yeah, what? Oh, man. He was on one. He was. He was very much so. But you ready to do this? Let's go. Let's do it. ECW One Night Stand took place June 11, 2006. It emanated from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. According to good old Wikipedia, again, which has never let us down, 
There were 2,460 <laughs> people in attendance. That's 40 less than the year before. There were 2,500 even oh, last man. year. What even, happened? Even. <laughs> Maybe the Raw and SmackDown superstars uh, that didn't show up were. Oh, that's <laughs> true. That. There's 40, 40 less people. <laughs> they were all SmackDown and Raw guys. That's true. That's fair. Uh, we didn't have pay per view numbers for the previous show from last year but we do have numbers for this year's show it drew 185,000 north american pay-per-view buys 304,000 overall worldwide i should say according to wrestlenomics but again as i mentioned earlier the previous year's show was pretty much a one-off right it was just an idea that rob van dam had to like hey let's do a reunion show people still love this brand clearly because they bought a bunch of dvds Let's do a reunion show. We got a bunch of guys in the contract. Let's do it. It makes all the sense in the world. And they did it. And then they ran it back the next year. They're going to do it again. But this time, this is a little bit different. Because ECW as a brand was on the verge of being revitalized. It was pretty much revitalized at this point by the time the show happened. But they haven't had an official show yet outside of this show. Right? This is pretty much the revi- this is pretty much a rebirth of ECW on this night. But they've, they're drafting a roster. They have a general manager and Paul Heyman. They're collecting talent and Kurt Angle and other people. It's a third brand. They got a television show on Sci-Fi. They got the slot picked out Tuesday nights, ECW on Sci-Fi, which JBL makes fun of uh, later in the show. But not only is Rob Van Dam a part of this year's show, too, he's also in the main event challenging john cena for the wwe championship which is wild to think about that the wwe championship is being defended on what's technically at least it has the ecw code of paint on it it's not even though it's, it's a wwe show it's a wwe production but it's an ecw show right and here is the wwe championship being defended but for rob van damme it was his very first one-on-one match for the WWE Championship. He had one-on-one matches for world titles, but that was the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE, not the WWE Championship. Of course, Rob Van Dam earned his title shot by winning the second-ever Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania and gave John Cena notice to say, hey, I'm cashing in at One Night Stand. And here we are. But along with WWE title being defended on this show there was a definitely a heavier wwe influence on the show than the previous year yes we did have the contingent of raw smackdown guys uh come out in the box yell at people talk crap get in the ring fight people beat people up however we have not only the wwe championship being defended on this show we have the world heavyweight championship or there's just the world championship as they called it because ray mysterio had it <laughs> they didn't want to call it a heavyweight championship but they have that being defended defended on the show kurt angle he wasn't just limited to cutting promos in the box in the suite he's in the ring representing ecw now <laughs> he's representing ecw right which harkens back to the moment when he got drafted by ecw back in may when it came out and a mouth with a mouthpiece that said violence on it which was like oh, i love kurt angle in 2006 he was awesome in 2006. The wrestling machine, Kurt Angle. He, yeah, he wasn't in a good spot in his life personally. But on screen, Kurt Angle was a man. All right? He was amazing. Love Kurt Angle. Before we talk about the show, though, 
before we get into everything that happens with the show, we got to kind of go back in time a little bit to the time that Joey Styles quit WWE on Raw. Because if you recall, Joey Styles replaced Jim Ross on Raw for a little while. So he's just there, he's calling, he's calling matches, doing his thing like he normally would. But then out of nowhere, he abruptly quits WWE. And that's kind of the impetus for the return of ECW on screen. So, Nick, hit that promo so we can hear what Joey Styles had to say about WWE at the time. Let me just say this. Uh, during the break, I apologize to the fans here right now. I want to take this opportunity to apologize to you, Joey Styles. My fault, just trying to have a little fun. It got out of hand. I'm sorry. Come back out and let's finish the rest of this show. My bad. Come on, Joey. You want to apologize like nothing happened. Like you didn't knock me on my ass in front of millions of people worldwide. And I'm going to come down there and work with you. I'm not coming back. And now, thanks to the magic of live television, I'm going to show the whole world why for seven years in ECW, I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. Six months ago, WWE called me. I didn't call this company because I was looking for a job. I didn't need a job. WWE called me because they had humiliated and fired again Jim Ross. So I get JR's spot. And from week one, week after week, I've got an ongoing lecture about the differences in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. I'm told to deliberately ignore the moves and the holds during the matches so I can tell stories. Well, ignoring the moves and the holds is damn insulting to the athletes, the wrestlers, not the entertainers who leave their families 300 days a year to ply their craft in that ring. So here's the best part. Because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller, I get pulled from WrestleMania. And the reason I'm given is, is because I don't sound like Jim Ross, who was the guy they fired in the first place. That makes sense, right? So I swallow the bitter pill, I'm a company guy. I get bumped from WrestleMania. Then I get bumped from Backlash? I'm not good enough to call Backlash? In ECW, I called live pay-per-views on my own. Solo, no color commentators dragging me down. Wasn't done before me, hasn't been done since. But I'm not good enough to call backlash because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller. Well, you know what? I am sick of sports entertainment. 
I am sick of male cheerleaders. I am sick of boogers and bathroom humor and semen, and I am sick of our chairman who likes to talk about his own semen. He mocks God, he mocks God, and makes out with the divas all to feed his own insatiable ego. I am sick of sports entertainment. And most of all, I'm sick of you fans who actually buy into that crap, this sports entertainment circus. I never needed this job, and I don't want this job anymore. I quit! As you heard there, Joey Styles was shooting straight from the heart. Okay? He's tired of the crappy things that was happening in WWE. But this wasn't the first time. Or I should say, this wasn't the last time. This is one of many times people have gone on WWE television, spoke straight from the heart, and was like, this company sucks. This is all the stupid things they make me do. <laughs> and I don't like it. None of it makes any sense. The people in the back don't know what they're doing. And you idiot fans just suck it all up. <laughs> and there's so many times that this has happened. Yet all of this stuff still rings true. He still <laughs> talks does. about 15, 16 years later, the soup. we've got to call them superstars. And it's like, yeah, that's still true to this day. Like, it yeah. still happens. Like, Sports nothing changed. Entertainment and all that. Right. And this was... Very prevalent on like message boards. That's what I started realizing. Like, oh yeah, like WWE kind of does do that. And in comparison to other wrestling companies, and uh, not really thinking much of it without the internet to tell me about it. And uh, him, Joey Styles, saying this on air, I think was the first time I was like, oh my god, like they're saying this on air. Like, what the hell? And people give CM Punk credit for his pipe bomb, and it was a hell of a pipe bomb. But this was the first time that I really saw like a shoot promo on WWE TV uh, talking about stuff like, I can't say wrestling, it's sports entertainment, stuff like right. that, where I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it kind of was out of nowhere, too. So, right. Like uh, you said, it was five years cool. later, we had CM Punk cut a similar promo. AJ Lee cut a promo like this, I think, in 2014 or something like that. Like, there's, all, there's been multiple promos like this about WWE. Remember when... Who was it? I think it was when they came out and said, like, we're, we're, we're going to listen to the fans now. This is now your yeah. show. And yeah, we've all been, four of We've them. been messing up. Right. Stephanie McMahon, yeah. Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Triple H all in the ring saying how much the show sucked and we're going to make it better. And then they somehow said, we're going to hire Bruce Pritchard to make this better. Let's bring John Laurinaitis back in here, too. Jeff Jarrett, you run the whole show now. So, like, also, can we talk about Jeff Jarrett for a second? <laughs> And how this man is a straight-up survivor. This man always finds a way, man, to make moves. We talked about this back in, what, 2016, 17? When he yeah. somehow got back in uh, charge yeah. of uh, Impact? Yep. It's like, somehow, some <laughs> way, this man played, always like, finds a way. for him. <laughs> right. All the time. It's like, Jeff, I, I applaud. I applaud, honestly. Like, I wish I knew how he just made these moves, bro. Like, he always does it. It's J E double F. <laughs> Real talk, man. Double J. I just I literally just put on the Twitter this morning, like, if death taxes and somehow Jeff Jarrett is gonna find a way to make some moves. I applaud it. 
now he's, he's always in, now he's, he's in always the, in the in the thick of things in the mix somehow. Yeah, he's uh what in control of the live events now. Something like that. Yeah, so it was like he's something like a, what Triple like a, H used to do. Uh, yeah, live event stuff, and now that's Jeff Jarrett's call. He's like so. an executive vice president. Yeah, which is like, damn, how? <laughs> like, how does Jeff Jarrett always find a way to win, bro? <laughs> Teach me your ways, Sensei. How do you always pull these W's, man? Like, I'm I'm jealous, honestly. But I want to learn. I want to yeah. learn. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> good for him. Good for Double J. But. Back to ECW One Night Stand. Again, the promo that Joey Styles cut back on Raw is the same promo we've heard multiple times since. Nothing has changed, unfortunately. But this show begins with a live shot of the Hammerstein Ballroom with all the fans chanting those three letters they live and die with, ECW, over and over and over again. Paul Heyman comes out in his trench coat and hat which is still not a great look. Even, like, it was never a great look. <laughs> but here he is. Comes out with a microphone to begin the program. He thanks the fans for the revival of ECW. And he talked about how awesome things were going to be moving forward. Because it's un- back under his leadership, under his stewardship. And, man, now we got a good television deal. We don't have to worry about TNN anymore. We're on pay-per-view Man, we got the talent. Things are looking up, baby. ECW is back. <laughs> Spoiler. Nothing about the new ECW was awesome. Nothing. Maybe for the first month, but other than that. Bro, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they had the mummy come out in the first month. <laughs> well, that, see, that, was like, that was the joke. That was the joke. You know, like, uh, we're on sci-fi, so we're going to do this. And then Sandman, like, came the poor sap uh, to hell, so... Uh, that I thought was like okay, true, like but at least they're no, they're I'm at least good, they're uh, uh, self conscious about it. So UCW is going to definitely be different, and then it wasn't a month later. So <laughs> nope, uh, um, unless you count CM Punk and John Morrison kind of like cutting their teeth on ECW as awesome. That's it. What good came out of the that the new the, the WWE ECW? Like I said, I CM can't. Punk and John Morrison <laughs> cutting their teeth. But they would have. I got yeah, nothing I else. I guess they would have done that anyway. You know, exactly. even if ECW I, wasn't there. So you would think, but like it, it gave them the room to like be main event guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You need, they needed yeah. that experience. Yeah. Or like Zack Ryder was on TV on ECW for a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, I don't. <sighs> yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, the silver ropes pissed me off when they changed it to silver. So. They, 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 even, they even messed up the title belt, made it a big, <laughs> oh, ugly yeah. silver belt. Yeah, that was bad, too. Tommy Dreamer had like his belt. Matt, like, y'all Matt Hardy, uh, that's not ECW the belt. title, that's not right? It, man. <laughs> right, yeah. The Matt Hardy, the um, who else had it? Christian, Mark I think, Henry, had it for a little bit. Mark yeah. Henry. I think Mark Henry is the first person to have that big title because they made it for him. Because it's such a massive belt. Ezekiel Jackson, he was the last one, technically. Um, Yeah. Not great. Not great. Not great at all. But, hey, it started off, you thought it was going to be dope again. Yeah. But, again. I bought in. So. Right. But it just couldn't sustain itself. It just could. It just wasn't going to happen. Even if they did everything they could to make it work, I still don't think it would have worked. It just it, it didn't help that they 
just bastardized it right away and turned it into a developmental show. <laughs> right? I can't believe Haven kind of stayed for six months, honestly. He, by December, he had finally had it. He walked out. I don't but, blame him. And it was like, I think the night of December to December, that ECW pay-per-view they had. So, And I was looking forward to it. I remember it was like two hours and 20 minutes or something. It was so short. And I was like, well, man, this, this kind of sucks. And uh, I think that's what Big Show... Uh, still retained the title or something. I don't know, but it was like, I remember being so jacked up for it. Even understanding now, like it was a WWE version. Like I didn't think back then as a fan, I wasn't like paying attention to that part of it. I was just like, Oh, ECW's back. This is going to be awesome. And it really felt like an ECW show, the first sci-fi show. And even with, like you said, the zombie came out, whatever, but it was all for Sandman to just came the crap out of him. Uh, I ha- I was like, okay, this will be different. This will be definitely different than Raw and SmackDown. So uh, I'm in into it. And once RVD got busted and uh, they made him lose both titles, uh, that was it. That was like the, literally the beginning of the end, and it was only a month into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's the whole separate issue that we'll talk about in a little bit. But that wasn't the only thing that derailed ECW in WWE. Uh, there's so many things along the way, and. I don't blame Paul Hammond for being like, I'm done. Because it's like, this is what I wanted this to be. It's like my original vision with better production value, actual television uh, contracts, actual money behind this promotion now that I didn't have in the mid-90s when we were running on a a pretty much a shoestring budget, you know, using all the resources we had to put out just a decent product. Now we got all the money. We got this billion-dollar company behind us and a good television slot and all this and that, and it just it got just uh, bastardized. It was just it was terrible. It was horrible. But on this night, all the optimism existed <laughs> still. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it went away pretty quickly. But Paul Hammond, welcome to everyone to the rebirth of EC. W and now the show is underway. We got Joey Styles and the call solo for now, but he's solo on the call for the first match, which is between Taz and Jerry the King Lawler. As you heard in that promo, Joey Styles is cussing out Jerry Lawler <laughs> in that promo, and sh- I think they what did Lawler shove him or something like that. And Joey yeah, Styles was like like Styles got involved in something and then was on his way back to the announce table and Lawler was like mocking him and stuff and uh Joey Styles started pushing back and Lawler was like I like how Joey Styles it. gets shoved down but then he runs away and then yeah. cuts the promo. Well it's funny then because he talks all the nonsense. Yeah, he uh so he was like shoving Lawler and Lawler was like shoving back and then once Styles slapped Lawler like his whole demeanor changed and then that's when Lawler pushed Styles and then he just he got up and like stormed out and then I th- they went to a commercial and when they came back Lawler apologized. Boom, you get into the promo with Styles coming out. And uh, I remember being like, whoa, this is like real. This is real life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? So real. I was a poor sucker, but um, it was, uh, yeah, that's how that all started culminating right. in the match, this match. So Lawler comes out for his for this match, and he walks, looks at Joey Styles, walks up to him, and <laughs> slaps the taste out of Styles' mouth. Pow! Take that. Little receipt. You know what I'm saying? Boom. Five fingers across the face. Right? Slapped his glasses right off. 
Styles, though, to his credit, kept the same energy and attacked Jerry Lawler when he got into the ring. Right? So Jerry Lawler tried to put Styles in a power driver, but that didn't work because Taz just came up from behind him, gripped him up, choked him out, and that was the end of the he match. Was already in the, <laughs> he was already in the ring. So, like, what did Lawler think he was going to do? Right. Lawler was dumb. But he got caught slipping. Taz caught him slipping, put him in a, uh, choked him out, and ended the match very quickly in like 35 seconds, which is kind of cathartic for ECW fans. I put this not a five star classic, but a cathartic moment for ECW fans because if you remember, Jerry Lawler was a big, uh, I want to say a big de- detractor of ECW. He did not like ECW. Loved it. And he's vocal about how much he didn't like ECW. Yeah. Uh, him and Cornette, along with many yeah. others, a yeah. lot of old timers, were against ECW. Probably Terry Funk is one of the few that was like embraced ECW <laughs> as a promotion. But guys like Lawler and Cornette was like, nah, we're not, you know, we're not messing with it. And that's why Lawler called ECW extremely crappy wrestling for a long time. And there was one night, obviously, in the ECW arena where the lights went down, then they came back up, and Jerry Lawler's in the ring. And they helped, and I think who was it that helped him beat up uh, Ta- Tommy Sabu, Dreamer? Sabu, uh, Sabu and, and RVD. Yeah, right. And they came to uh, Tommy Dreamer and another reasons, and I think he had to go to the hospital after <laughs> that. Yeah. But yeah. that was a night that Jerry Lawler had to escape Philadelphia, pretty much. Like cause <laughs> it was heat. He had a lot of heat. And so for ECW fans, this, this moment was a long time coming. Well, it was great. Uh, they had he had a pay per view match against Tommy Dreamer. I think it was Hardcore Heaven uh, in '97. So T- Dreamer beat him, but then it kind of went away a little bit. I, like that whole thing with Lawler and ECW, and then I guess they for this the quote unquote rebirth of ECW, uh, they decided to go back to that and uh, didn't have the same feel to me personally because I watched that whole '97 ECW thing from like start to finish. And I uh, hated Jerry Lawler, but I w- I'd be confused sometimes as, as to why, like, ECW wouldn't appear on WWE, and then, like, Lawler would appear on ECW, and sometimes they would appear on Raw, like, ECW stars. So, yeah, I it was, like, a little confusing for me as a fan to, like, keep track of what was going on, but looking back, it's kind of, like, funny that, you know, after that Hardcore Heaven match, uh, there really was no more WWE-ECW feud on screen. It was just, like... Guys going from WWE to ECW as, as like a different character. Guys like Justin Credible, you know, people like that. And then guys like Al Snow going back from ECW to WWE as like the same character he was at ECW. So it was more or less that after like the whole Lawler thing in 97. And it didn't really get back to this where like Lawler hated ECW and stuff like that until the Joey Styles uh, dust up. <laughs> and I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to harken Jack Del Rio here, but that was a little dust up on Raw. Um, not oh my like God. the dust up at the Capitol. The dust up and, that uh, people died in. I don't. If somebody oh dies, God. it's not a dust up. No. He deleted <laughs> like, his Twitter people account, died. by the way. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw he deleted it after he got fined yeah. 100 stacks. For I would saying. call the Lawler Styles thing a dust up. I would not call right. the Capitol uh, on January 6th. Like a I dust said, up. if people died. It's not a dust up. There were multiple people died, multiple casualties. Somebody got shot. A woman got shot. Now, she, yes, yeah, she was breaking into the Capitol while she got shot. Yeah. However, she's gone. I don't think somebody getting shot would say, oh, that's a dust up. 
That's how people think. That's how people want to reframe it, though. And it's yeah. crazy that people try to reframe it that way. When the footage doesn't say that, there's video. <laughs> you can say that about something that happened in the 1930s because at least there wasn't video of it. So your lie <laughs> could make more sense, I guess. Right. But when we had – this just happened last year, y'all. <laughs> like, we had 8K cameras down there like, yo, there's Bob from accounting right there. He broke in. Go get his ass. Remember when we talked about this last year, too? Yeah. Like we, when homeboy was on camera and said his name and said, I am in the Capitol. <laughs> no, I think we were going to record a show that night. And then we, we were just kind of we like, were. yeah, we got to put a pause on this and let everything kind of. Because literally I was working from home. This is a, January 2021. I wasn't yeah. in the office yet on my computer, just enjoying another normal Wednesday, looking at the proceedings of the uh the certification of the election and i watch things break down in real time real time dude real time real time not like i watched clips after the fact no i saw the moment when people was breaching those gates and it was like oh all hell's breaking loose now Mm. oh no i remember having to slack my my homie like my co-workers like uh capital has been breached we probably shouldn't tweet now (laughs) we should probably take a pause on the day so yeah a little more than the dust up there. I was watching there, it live. We were, I was virtual teaching, and we were the last period of the day, and it's literally when you know the capital started being breached, and I was right. like, I could not pay attention to the monitor. I was like, glued to the TV. Rightfully I, I, so. I was glued to it the rest of the day. I was like kind of like, what is going on right now? The videos crazy. The videos speak for itself. As much yeah. as Fox News doesn't want to air the videos anymore and stuff yeah. like that, because <laughs> you can't. How do you paint that other than it's like a mob of people trying to break into an institution of ours? People are like, it's not an insurrection because nobody was armed. I'm like, that's literally like not what people died. Just because people were armed, not armed, doesn't mean it wasn't an insurrection. People died. I don't understand. You can't compare that to the protest of 2020 when people didn't. Yeah, oh, a couple buildings got destroyed. Okay. Did people die left and right? I don't think so. People got arrested. People got hurt. Nobody, people didn't lose their lives, as far as I can remember. Maybe that happened. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, but I, mean, I know it happened business, on January 6th, though. You still rebuild your business, uh, right. as hard as it might be. But You got insurance? I mean, it was... It Target was got insurance, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Old Navy got insurance. So... That's but that's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Back to the task at hand in ECW. The Hajime. Right. The Hajime on Jerry Lawler. But we move on from that. Taz now, after choking out Jerry Lawler, he barely broke a sweat because it's only like a 30-second match. So now he goes to the announce table and joins Joey Styles on commentary for the rest of the show. So how about that? Yeah. That is your ECW commentary team moving forward, by the way. So who's going to replace Taz on SmackDown? Well, we'll find that out in a little bit. But in the meantime, it is time for the second match of the evening. It is going to be an ECW classic. It's going to be... Randy Orton versus Kurt Angle? <laughs> what? <laughs> but when you think ECW, exactly. you think Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. <laughs> Randy Orton. But it's technically ECW's Kurt Angle. Yeah. Going against, I believe, SmackDown's Randy Orton. Who just one year ago, Kurt Angle hated ECW and everything about it. So Everything about it. Also, let's not forget, Kurt Angle was in ECW for a show. We talked right, about this right, last week. Yeah. At a show for ECW, just dipping his toe into the wrestling business, 
And then they crucify Sandman, and he's like, I want nothing to do with this. Don't even mention my name when it comes to this. Keep my name out your mouth, ECW, or I will sue you. And that was real. And then now here he is going, yeah, yeah wrestling machine, ECW, baby, for life. <laughs> it's funny how things change. Yeah, just a bit. But I, 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 I thought about this for this particular match. Like, I got to give the WWE guys some credit because they're walking through the aisle surrounded by all these fans. And if you're like a Randy Orton, none of them like you, yeah. even though they watch you on SmackDown every week. All right. Some of them probably even bought your merch. <laughs> However, on this night, they hate you. And they're so close. Like a fan literally shoved Randy Orton during his entrance. Yeah. Like, and he walked up to somebody and was like, hey, punch me. Come on. Hit me right here in the chin. And they, they did not. <laughs> so, <laughs> just for the record. They did so, not want to F around and find out. <laughs> no, they did not. They, they 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 kept it chill, uh. But you know who was pissed though? Styles and Taz when oh. Randy Orton got the pyro for his entrance, yeah. and they were like, "What in the hell is this fireworks and ECW?" That's it's great. like they just it's like they just forgot. Like, hey man, you work for WWE. They go to have pyro at these shows. Sorry, <laughs> you you they they have better production now. Pyro is a part of wrestling. But it's funny. Yeah. I don't remember them doing pyro when they when WWE had Raw in the Manhattan Center, uh, like you know the '93, '94, or whenever uh, before they moved away from there. But D- different budget uh, at that point. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of funny. Like I totally forgot about that. So when I saw the pyro, I kind of laughed to myself, and I was like, I wonder if Styles and Taz are going to mention it. And boom! Right away they did. Right, but also like. Get with the times, guys. You kind of work for a billion-dollar company. There might be some bells and whistles now, just because. Also, Orton's pyro was dope. Who yeah, doesn't like it? I loved it. I loved it. Like, have the shower just behind him as he's posing? Like, yeah. what a visual. Put it, it in, put it in, a, in a gallery, like an art museum somewhere. <laughs> like, it's dope. Like, he's posing with the pyro behind him. Like, that's an iconic visual. So, yeah, I don't care give them how extreme you are. You can appreciate good visuals too. <laughs> Quality visuals still, you can still be extreme and enjoy, enjoy uh, good visuals. But that's why they're the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Yep, I WB guess. production. I guess. Um, but I also put down like if if my entrance has pyro, I'd want my pyro wherever I go, <laughs> including like normal places like the grocery store like if i had pyro in my life i could just walk into rite aid and be like bam and pyro comes down behind me like why not if i could afford that i would do it but i can't (laughs) (laughs) but we talked about earlier given what we know about kurt angle and his history to ecw it's still funny to see him representing the brand at this point but yeah of course he's still technically in wwe it's just you know ECW coat of paint, but still, it's still funny. Um, I, I also put here though, just ta- this Kurt Angle's vibe and energy by this point in 2006, he could have been like a new version of Taz in the new ECW. Like because people love ass kickers, even ECW fans could appreciate how much Kurt Angle could whoop ass in 2006. If they just had Kurt Angle be like this monster wrestler in ECW and just tearing people apart, that might have been made ECW must watch TV. Even after RVD got stripped of the titles, 
they could have put Kurt Angle in that spot and had him just beating people's asses yeah, every week. Like he comes out and people the first lose their minds. Mistake. Right. It's, it's like pretty much what Taz was in the late nineties in ECW. And that worked. They could have did the same thing with Kurt Angle, but I'm sure it was some behind the scenes things that did that prevented that from happening. Because again, Kurt Angle was not in a great spot in his life yeah. personally by 2006. But on screen, he was incredible. Like to me, he reminded me if like if Brian Dawkins had become a wrestler. What kind of wrestler would Brian <laughs> Dawkins have been? He would have been Kurt Angle circa 2006. Like just super intense, throwing people around and people just going nuts in South Philly by by <laughs> by chance too. So yeah, I just I just that's how I felt. And for those who don't know, Brian Dawkins is a uh, former Philadelphia Eagles player. Uh, he retired some time ago. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, one of the one of the best safeties of all time. Uh, but known for his intensity and his ferocity, which is why they called him Weapon X, like Wolverine. When he played, he also had two lockers at Novacare. I don't know if everybody knows this, but he's the only person to have two lockers. He had his own locker that said Brian Dawkins on the nameplate with his normal stuff in it. Then he had this other locker next to him that said Weapon X on the nameplate (laughs) (laughs) with all this Wolverine stuff in it. And no one said anything. It wasn't like, oh, Brian Dawkins shouldn't have two lockers. It was like, oh, yeah, of course he has two lockers. (laughs) Do you want a third? Right. How many lockers does he need? Like, oh, sir, you want this locker? No, you can get you can get cut today. You don't have a locker anymore. That's Brian Dawkins' locker. That's Weapon <laughs> X locker. Leave it alone. Don't touch anything in there. And they actually, at the Hall of Fame, when Dawkins got inducted, they actually had they were set up like a locker, like a like a ceremonial, like a display locker for each player getting inducted. They actually set up, I think, two lockers for Dawkins at the Hall of Fame too. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm saying. He's just he's that guy. Is B Dog, one of the best Eagles players of all time. Um, but as far as this match, Kurt Angle was putting on a wrestling clinic early on. He was tossing Randy Orton around left and right, um, like he was nothing. By the way, he would just pick up Randy and just throw him across the <laughs> ring. It's like, good lord, Randy Orton is a full-grown man. You should not just be able to throw people around like that. But this was what the type time that Kurt Angle was on, circa 2006. He was just on a different level, in on screen at least. Um, this match, though, I thought was very, very well done. Like, I don't know about you. I love this match. I enjoyed the part. Uh, I mean, it was a good match, 15-plus minutes. So uh, good for, for that spot. Uh, Randy Orton very had a reputation for being, like, one of the most boring wrestlers at this time because uh, he utilized headlocks, like, 75% of his matches. And the funniest part to me was when he slapped the headlock on Kurt Angle and he started getting booed. Uh, like like hell, and uh, crowd started chanting boring and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, like I guess the rumors are true. Like I didn't really pay attention to his matches that much because he never entertained me that much back then. Uh, Post two thousand four two thousand five, uh, I didn't really uh, care much for him. But the fact that he utilized headlocks all the time, and the fact that the ECW audience was uh, smart enough at that time to boo the hell out of him because uh, he had that reputation for you these long, boring headlocks in all of his matches, that kind of made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, but th- this was a great match, though. I thought this was a great match. Uh, Orton, I mean, not Orton. sequence. It was uh, 
counter by counter by counter by counter, right. and boom. <laughs> and an ankle lock, Orton taps out uh, to hand Angle the victory. Orton, after the match, demanded that he get a second ref out there to help him out, which was, he's like, hey, man, my ankle's messed up. Get somebody out here to help me. And this was much to the dismay of the ECW fans who apparently believe that if your ankle is nearly broken, you should just be able to walk it off just fine. <laughs> like, you all right. You tough, right? Uh, you got you to. Yeah, dude. I was, I was in the middle of that. I looking back, I kind of like, oh man, why did I think that way? But it's like that ECW was almost like a cult. I mean, it was a cult, and uh, you know, we'll even see later on during the when Terry Funk had to leave his match and and come back. It's like I thought, okay, well, like they're losers. You know, like, if they can't tough it out, like they're losers, and I'm kind of mad that I was so gullible for that type of crap. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, wild stuff. It's kind of funny with the fans chanting at Orton, though. <laughs> right, right. We won't say the word they chanted at him, but rhymes with wussy. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't um, suitable for children. That's why we get the uh, the parental dis- the, uh, discretion warning, uh, parental advisory warning at the beginning of these shows because there's a lot of vulgar chants uh, from the fans. Which they make themselves part of the show, which can be good and bad. Yeah. I think it's good at, in the main event, though. I'll explain yeah. that later. Yeah. However, it's time to move on to the next match on the card. It is the full-blooded Italians, Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke, going against Super Crazy and Tajiri. We talked about Tajiri last week a little bit because he was on the show. But I don't think we properly gave Tajiri his flowers because he was awesome. Let's just flat out. Tajiri was dope. He was super talented in the ring. And he could actually pull off WWE's nonsense racist depictions of him. Like, when they would have him just speak Japanese and no one would understand him because he would just speak Japanese. And he would go have all this kinetic energy and he'd be doing all this crazy stuff. And William Regal's looking at him like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but it actually worked somehow. Like, he was really funny in WWE. And him and William Regal together worked somehow. <laughs> but Tajiri was dope. He's very talented. I think he's still wrestling, by the way. Jeez. Tajiri. He had some of the best looking kicks in the business. He was he did the mist and no yeah. one cared. Like no one said, Oh, that's great Mutas. No, yeah. there's like Tajiri can do it too. Like like it's Tarantula fine. was a cool move. I was always like, Wow, that's cool. Right. Even though it was illegal technically, they yeah. would always count Well, I mean, he had five seconds, you know, to break the ropes and he always did. Right, that's what I'm saying. That was counted down, but yeah. Yeah, so Tajiri was dope. Always uh, liked him when we were together. Um, but yeah, he's very talented. And I think, um, I was, I guess underrated is a, is a good word for Tajiri. Um, he's a very... Uh, underappreciated, maybe, too. Yeah, very... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but when he and Super Crazy would have all those matches on ECW like every week on TV... It got like so boring, and at some point I was like, "Okay, there's no title involved. I, why am I watching these guys just for the sake of watching them? Like the wrestling's great, but I started getting annoyed by that." Paul Heyman—that's all he had in his playbook at like '98, '99, 2000. He would just have the same guys fight each other every single show, and it was same with RVD and Jerry Lynn. Like the matches were great, but like it's like okay, at some point, like you really saw how bad ECW was down in terms of talent once people started leaving for WCW and WWF at the time. Like, 
it and that's how I remember him in that version of ECW and I it kind of sucks like that I, that's what I remember uh because right. it's like man Paul couldn't do anything better than I that I mean yeah like, think but the you same think exact matches lost, every single show like they uh, lost the Dudley Boys they lost they uh yeah. Raven they lost yeah. Sandman to WCW yeah. people forget about Sandman going Taz. to WCW as Hack they lost Taz they lost Al Snow. He was like the first one. Even Shane um, Douglas they lost. Yeah. yeah, Shane Douglas, and he came back, and I think they lost him again in WCW. He went back to yeah. WCW in like 99, yeah. 2000. Yep. Um, but, of course, you know, you lose like guys like Mick Foley. That was, you know, that was like 96 when they lost him. But, like, when they had a crew together and ECW started popping in like 97, 98, they lost all those guys. And then they eventually lost Tajiri. <laughs> like, yeah. you talk about Tajiri and Super Crazy, they lost him. When, yeah. when did he come to WWF? Like, 2000 2001 I think so yeah so might have been before ECW folded yeah I'm pretty sure he was there before the invasion storyline in WC in WWF or he came in right before so yeah they lost a lot of guys man and so yeah I'm, I'm not surprised that the depth was lacking at a certain point because look at all the look at the crew they lost they were losing people left and right to, yeah. to the bigger promotion so that's how that be, though. You know? <laughs> the people go to the money, and they're going to get paid. It's like Mike Awesome. We talked about him last week. Yeah. People want to get paid, man. Don't blame anybody for getting paid. He was not the first guy to leave ECW, even though he was a guy who left ECW as champion. That is the difference. The only guy I'm but, surprised they never lost was Rob Van Dam. Like you, you have to believe he got numerous offers. You would from think, right? WCW and WWE, but you would think, and he might have been thinking about his own career. Be like, well, if I could stay here and you know, become ECW champion at some point, I'll be worth right. like, more than I am right now. Like, so I don't know if he's ever done like shoot interviews on that, but he is the one guy that I just couldn't believe didn't leave. While right, because as soon as he left. He got skyrocketed to the top of the card in WWE. Like they wasted no time putting RVD in a spot. Yeah, Am he, I tripping? Like even no, throughout he, the alliance. First, uh, yeah, his first appearance was uh, when they yeah that night they formed the alliance with WCW and ECW. Right. So he didn't even you know I guess he technically didn't even leave ECW. He was there until the very end. <laughs> and then once right. they folded, uh, they were reborn back in July of tw- tw- two thousand one. Uh, to team with WCW, so that and that was his first like normal appearances on WWE TV. It wasn't like you know his one-offs in '97 as part of ECW and his feud with Jerry Lawler or stuff like that, or feud with uh, Tommy Dreamer and uh, Sandman with like his pro WWF type thing. But uh, yeah, it was uh, he did get skyrocketed. I think even later that year he main evented uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin one of the pay-per-views. Like it was just incredible. It was yeah. when um, it might have been September. I don't know, uh, but he—I'm pretty sure he main evented, or maybe it was a RAW or something, because uh, he was like the alliance member that was like beloved by everybody. Like he was—he would be the only one that wasn't like booed or whatever. So right, he was uh, the only one that knew, didn't get like, mercilessly yeah. booed when they came right. out, or, or even like really depicted as a heel. Correct. He never made yeah. Van Dam a bad guy, even when he was a part of the alliance. He was just there. Yeah. He would do his thing, and he would just go okay and whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He'd just do his thing, and then I think I'm pretty sure he was in the main event of No Mercy in 2001. I think it was I'm like Kurt Angle, about. Steve Austin, and RVD. Uh, that might be what I'm thinking about. I think that was it because I remember the Rock and Jericho had the WCW title match, 
And I think RVD was in the main event of No Mercy. And that was, again, 2001 during the Alliance. So they always found a way to put Rob Van Dam in good spots. He was only there three or four months by that time. Right. And and he was the only one in that spot, though. Nobody from WCW had that spot yet. Booker T wasn't – well, he had the SummerSlam spot. I take that back. Booker T was in the main event of SummerSlam with The Rock. But, like, really, it was Kurt Angle and Steve Austin was the main two guys that summer. And then RVD was in there. <laughs> okay. So yeah, they always did, they always kind of they always knew what they had in RVD. So that's why, I, I, to your point, it is surprising that they didn't that he didn't leave before that because he was clearly thought of and uh, highly thought of by multiple like, I, people. You gotta assume he would have made more money than Sandman, um, even Shane Douglas. Uh, at that point, I, would, I should look, say. RVD was hella talented. He was super cool. So yeah, I, I don't blame anybody for putting RVD in those spots, and I don't. I wouldn't have blamed anybody for paying RVD more than Shane Douglas. If I had my choice between Shane Douglas and Rob Van Dam, if both guys are equally as healthy, because obviously Rob Van Dam, you know, with his style, he could probably get hurt. But regardless of the the injuries, I'm taking Rob Van Dam every time, yeah. no question. Also, Rob Van Dam. In a WWE game now, too. I forget that. I think he just went in this year. So, or, yeah, I think it was this yeah. year when he went in. But either way, uh, they always did right by Rob Van Dam, at least in the beginning. I should say that. But uh, this match between Tajiri and, uh, not Tajiri, Tajiri and Super Crazy against the FBI, another fun one. Uh, also thought that Little Guido, Nunzio, whatever you want to call him, also underrated and underappreciated as a performer. Uh, he, he, he's a guy that always somehow had a job for a long time. Like he's just always working and cause he could work and he could do a lot of stuff. So shout out to little Guido as well. Um, and the FBI won with a double fisherman suplex. About that. How about that? So, but after the match, big show comes out cause big show is also an ECW now, right? He turned on raw and joined ECW and he <laughs> comes out off his raw shirt to, to show an ECW shirt. Like, the funniest turns, like, right. ever, man. Just crack me up. I'm hardcore. <laughs> you know? Like, they're the NWO now or something. Right. <laughs> but Big Show comes out, and he goes face-to-face with Big Guido. And he kicks Big Guido right in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then whooped everyone's ass in the ring. And that was it. And I wrote, it was an omen of... It was a sign of things to come for ECW, for the old ECW at least, because this is what's going to be. It's going to be WWE guys coming in and whooping all of your favorites' asses. The only one that would have been remotely spared was Rob Van Dam, and even he got suspended, so that's why he also got spared. But yeah, got more of this to come, ECW fans. They liked it at the time, but they would not like it moving forward. But after that, we're back in the suite, because who's in the suite? It's John Bradshaw Layfield <laughs> back again with a microphone. The fans told him to suck it, or they said something probably more vulgar than that. Yeah. But then he was like, "I see no women out here, but you guys are chanting about male genitalia." <laughs> and then he says, "Now tell me who's the fruit booty?" <laughs> what? Oh, JBL, man. J- 
JBL. He's actually pretty funny, man. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, then he announced that he was the new color commentator on SmackDown and replacing Taz. So there you go. Now kiss my ass. This show sucks. <laughs> Why'd you come then? <laughs> what an idiot. That's fair. That's fair, dog. That's a funny like line to Like had to buy a ticket to get in. Right. You said like, you he, paid. He spent his money on ECW. You paid extra money to sit in the suite, too. <laughs> but that's a funny line to end a promo. Kiss my ass. Yeah. This show sucks. And then it's right for Taz to be like, then why are you here, bro? Yeah. <laughs> what you doing? If this show sucks so bad. So, yeah, JBL, like, <laughs> Wildin' in ECW once again. It, hey, look, for, for, I'm just going to put it out there. Obviously, JBL probably would have done it because going to ECW was kind of seen as like a demotion. However, JBL and ECW could have been a fantastic heel. I agree. Fantastic heel. And he could have had, it's not like JBL couldn't get extreme or something like that. He could have done like Texas Bull Rope matches and stuff like that in ECW. Man. That could, could have you, been some money there. Could you imagine if uh, you know? I know it was it had to be rushed together because RVD would, uh, you know, be arrested for you know his marijuana possession or whatever. But if they had instead of Big Show beating him, you have JBL beat him and hold the title hostage until RVD would come back and eventually win it back. Like that's a good Man. pro wrestling uh, storyline. I just, I mean, when RVD came back, he would eventually make his way back into the title picture, but he would never be the ECW champion again. So. I don't know, like, maybe it would, like, if that would have changed anything, but if they just had JBL, I know, I guess he was not wrestling anymore, right? He was a commentator, so. Right. So he um, was doing, like, like he mentioned in his promo, he had radio shows yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he was kind of yeah. not, he was definitely phasing himself out of wrestling, setting himself up for what he's going to do next. And he would come back to wrestling, but at right. this point, he was, because yeah, I think he had that year-long run as champion. Yeah. He had been wrestling for years before that, so he's like, ah, I'm kind of done. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, he was kind of done. It would have been so great, other than the Big Show, and it kind of would have it would have made ECW more uh, watchable. I think at that Look, point, JBL well, cutting promos people. on those fans, yeah, every week, every week. <laughs> Woo! Joey Styles and Taz just like berating him on, on commentary, and it would just be great. It would have been fantastic television, but yeah, like you said, JBL was kind of slowing down his wrestling at this point and doing a lot of TV and radio and also being a color commentator on SmackDown. So he he was actually good on SmackDown too. Like when he first started on SmackDown. Now eventually he became like kind of a parody of himself by going Michael and all that stuff. He's a he, uh, in our first like goat. shows of he's a, like he's a farm animal Michael. <laughs> When we started this podcast, you would uh, make fun of that all the time. You'd be like, Michael, do all that. And it made me laugh. Michael. That's how long we've been doing this podcast. Isn't that crazy? Right. Because wow. once upon a time, going Michael on Twitter and spell it M-A-G-G-L-E was how you made fun of JBL. Saying Michael. Instead, he would go, Michael. Because he's, he's Texan. So he's got a little bit of an accent there. but. <laughs> that seemed like yesterday. That was like seven years ago. I know. That is nuts. <laughs> seven years ago. Michael. But <laughs> we move on from that to another historic match in ECW. It is for the World Championship, World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. 
It is Rey Mysterio, who is the world champion, not world heavyweight champion because he's not a heavyweight, I guess. Stupid. Either way. Why put the belt on him if you're going to change the name of the belt? <laughs> like, what? But he's going against Sabu for the world title. This is wild. Even in by 2022, to think that Rey Mysterio and Sabu had a were wrestling for the big gold belt at an ECW show. The same big gold belt that Ric Flair held and Dusty Rhodes and Sting and Hulk Hogan and so many others. His Mysterio and Sabu in, in the Hammerstein ballroom. Jack Swagger, stop it right now. <laughs> That's That was when we knew that title had <laughs> no longer meant anything to WWE. Jump the shark. <laughs> totally honest with you. Once Jack Swagger got it, it was like, hmm. I think I know. I think I know what the number one title in WWE is now. It's not the big gold belt. <laughs> I think I know which one it is, though. But yeah, this is an extreme that. rules match too. It was about extreme that. rules match for the world title. ECW fans, for whatever reason, just had it out for Rey Mysterio. I still don't okay. understand. I do not get it. And he he was wearing the old school tights. How do how do you hate on that? No stupid baggy pants that hide his knee braces or whatever. I hated that look. But he's like wearing his old school tights. How do you hate on that? Look, I don't know. But they did somehow. Uh, this match, though, predictably started off by Sabu and Rey Mysterio literally throwing chairs at each other's faces. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mysterio at one point did a springboard senton out of the ring to Sabu through a table. Okay. The referee threw up the X as if the match was over, but the match continued. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. yeah. The referee yeah. clearly threw up the X, signifying, like, hey, somebody's too hurt. But the match continued. Uh, one point, or well, the match ended at this point, is when Sabu did a springboard DDT to Mysterio through a table that was propped up between the guardrail and the ring apron. <laughs> This spot looked hella dangerous. It's classic ECW, though. I've seen that. I've seen Sabu do that like so many times. So like, if, any, ever... if anyone you would feel safe doing it, it'd probably be Sabu, I guess, right? I guess, but nobody <laughs> broke their neck doing that because if I, something I, I, goes yeah. wrong, your neck is broken. Right. <laughs> At the very like, least. That's how I feel about certain moves. Like, if, if we make a mistake on this move, will somebody break their neck? Yeah. If, if that's the case, you probably shouldn't Should, do it because yeah. mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. Human error is a thing because we're human beings. You don't mean for it to happen. They may not happen often, but all you need is one. And your neck is broken. So that's just me, at least. Wild spot, though. Yeah. It's a spot that neither man got up from. <laughs> uh, they just, they, there's a doctor that rushed to the ring, I guess, in a bow tie. I guess he's supposed <laughs> to be a doctor. And he's like, no, I will not let this match continue. Neither one of these guys can continue. And the match was ruled a no contest. They didn't ever explain who that man was or who he represented. He just had a bow tie, and that was it. And I guess because he had a suit and a bow tie on, he was, we supposed to just assume he's some sort of authority figure. But that's it. That's all we got. But, of course, this is the microcosm of the ECW fan. They chanted bullshit. It's right, like, man. Relax, guys. Like, These guys Jesus. almost paralyze themselves. They're doing this now for you're you. Mad about it. Like, 
knock it off. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Knock it off. That's that's weird stuff. I do. I do. I can understand. I mean, like, you want to see a finish. I, I feel like some type of way. I'm just when I see that and hear that, I'm just like, man, these fans they do not hold up well at all. <laughs> I do understand that, like, you want to see a finish, but like that spot was wild. They probably and shouldn't the, get up after the that. The thing is, they've seen that spot so often. They are so desensitized to it. I'm this. I was the same way back then. I'm like, okay, it's a DDT through a table. We've seen this a bunch of times, so get up and finish the match. Like, but it's weird to be that way. I don't want to be that way. So just, you know, maybe they were thinking that they would have a rematch down the road. I don't know, but to have it happen at an ECW one night stand show, I, I understand. But it's like weird. It's just like relax, guys. It's okay. <laughs> there are more matches to come, right? Including the next match, which was. Between these two shows of ECW One Night Stand 05 and 06, the next match is probably the most hardcore extreme match of the bunch. It is Edge, well, originally, I should say, Edge and Mick Foley scheduled to go up against Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. Hey, the Funkers here. Right. However, eventually we'll get to it, but Lita was inserted for... Edge and McFoley's side, and Beulah McGillicuddy, who was never really a wrestler, was inserted for Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer. But let's, you know, we'll get to that point in a little bit. But however, I got to mention that Mick Foley was a heel here in 2006, which was kind of weird. I know he had been a heel in ECW by, like, admonishing all of the violence in ECW. That's kind of what his thing was. Um, but by this point in WWE, people loved Mick Foley. He's one of those guys you didn't want to boo. Foley is God. That's what people would literally put on signs back in the late nineties. But here he was here and he is a full fledged heel cutting a promo talking about how he sold out, not to WWE, but he sold out Madison square garden. (laughs) 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 That was good. Uh, that was really good. He said he loved ECW when it was run by a creative genius. <laughs> that genius was not Paul Heyman. No, it was Stephanie McMahon. And he gave a long live the Alliance <laughs> chant. <laughs> I watched this back. I was like, oh, he's going to say Todd Gordon. That's pretty funny. And then he said Stephanie McMahon. And I started, I literally audibly laughed because uh, I totally forgot about that line. And I was like, that's that's awesome. That's really long good. Long <laughs> live the Alliance. That's classic. That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, also, Edge and Mick Foley were the co-holders of the hardcore title for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why that was Old a thing. Old school, shattered belt, hardcore title. That was cool. Yeah. Don't know why that was a thing. Also, why didn't they bring back the hardcore title for ECW as like a yeah. secondary title? Yeah. I, I just thought about that just now. <laughs> like, they had the ECW title on ECW. Okay, cool. Bring back the hardcore title. You don't even have to bring yeah. back the TV title. Like, you can leave. Okay, they, you don't want to bring it back. They didn't even have tag team titles at ECW. No. So. No, they yeah. had none of that. So it's like, all right, you maybe okay. You could, you could bring back the the tag titles, the world tag titles from ECW, but you also you don't necessarily have to bring back the TV title. It would be nice to do that, but they could have brought back the Hardcore title. It made perfect sense. Just rename okay. it the ECW Hardcore Championship. Well, I guess if the whole promotion is Hardcore, 
what's the point of having a hardcore championship? I don't know. They could have. Well, they should have had a secondary had, they, title. Not every match was like no DQ, like it was in the original ECW. Every match was like WWE rules. So the right. hardcore championship wouldn't have been out of place either. So it wouldn't have been it, out of place. You would have thought a secondary title for that brand would be something that right. they would have had in place. I, it might feel a little redundant though, because again, the whole promotion is supposed to be hardcore. Why do you have a hardcore title? It, you know, like. You know what I'm saying? Like this is it feels a little maybe redundant. The hardcore television championship, and they could just kind of be like, okay, yeah, maybe I don't know something. Because I, I don't know there. if every ECW title match was technically Extreme Rules. This is where the moniker Extreme Rules was born. Uh, I don't remember if every right. ECW title match was supposed to be Extreme Rules, but um, right, because they would only uh, use that for specific matches. They right. wouldn't do it for every match. Right. Where it was pretty much implied that every match in the original ECW had no rules. <laughs> so, yeah, like because the, there was weapons used in like every single match almost. Right, because it's ECW. Except like the when they they had the luchadors before WCW stole them away. Like they would right. just be like regular technical wrestling matches. <laughs> right. So, I you know I I kind of talked myself through it here. You kind of just heard me talk myself through it <laughs> in real time on the podcast to kind of figure it out for myself, but. <laughs> Now Edge comes out, and now his time to talk. And he clowned ECW and the fans and Paul Heyman. And then Lita gets the microphone, and she even talks. And it's like, when did you hear Lita talk a lot? I'm, she didn't really talk a lot on TV, from what I remember. But she bragged about <laughs> Tommy Dreamer, beating Tommy Dreamer and sitting on his face because, you know, yeah. sex. That's why. Oh, oh. That's why. Okay. But then Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk come out. And Terry Funk is at the young age of 61 years old by the time of this match. He would have turned 62 on June 30th. He would turn 78 on June 30th this year. Wow. So shout out to Terry Funk. I know he was in shape last year. Uh, but hopefully he's still doing well. And we all love the Funker. Because that man just doesn't give a damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> you go out there and wrestle in his 60s, will, folks. 60s. Yeah, and we'll see him take a, a bump off a ladder in this match. It's just like, right. what, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I also noted that it feels like we've watched matches of Terry Funk's career from multiple decades of his life. Like, yeah. he could be in his 30s in one match, his 50s in another, and his 60s in, in this one. Like, We've done, we did the, uh, one of the, we did, uh, I think it was a Flair Steamboat match where Funk was there yeah. Yeah. as a judge, and we did that match. We didn't do Flair versus Funk no, that no. came after. But he's probably like in his mid 40s by that point. <laughs> like, so we did that, and we did stuff in WCW when he was in his 50s doing the hardcore title stuff in WCW with Norman Smiley and all that nonsense. And then here he is now, 60. Doing this match again, like I said earlier, this is probably the most brutal match among both of these shows that we've covered from One yeah. Night Stand yeah. in 05 and 06. Okay, of course, like I said, Beulah McGillicuddy's out there with Tommy Dreamer, she cuts a promo about Lita, and then they, they make it a six person tag. Mind you, Beulah McGillicuddy is wearing heels, so don't know how much she's going to be able to do, but at one point. <laughs> Foley gets into the ring with Terry Funk, and Terry Funk is wearing his ass out with his punches, right? 
He gave him the hand so much that Mick Foley went back to his corner and was like, this was a bad idea. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. I'm leaving. I don't blame you, Mick. Tay Funk is wild, bro. Yes. And you know he's got barbed wire somewhere. So I was like, you know what? No, I'm good. It's probably a chainsaw under the ring. Right. You never know. You never Get know. It? I, Chain, I got chainsaw. it. Chainsaw. I got it. Charlie. <laughs> I understood it. Okay. Thank you. We, we just talked about the 98 Royal Rumble not that long ago. And Chainsaw Charlie was an integral part of that match. As was Mick Foley. And, and multiple incarnations of Mick Foley. But, as you mentioned, we got a lot of weapons. Uh, the guys did all of the work. I don't think the women did a, a whole lot at all, which is fine. Uh, Terry Funk got a, helico- got a ladder around his neck and did the helicopter spin, which is always wild. Uh, it cracks me up. I don't know how people don't get seriously hurt from that because, like, ladders that, suck. And, like, him himself, like, does, is he protected his head in there? Like, the, when he hits someone, does it not rattle his cage? Like, what's going on here? But You would, you, you would think. You would think. Uh, he didn't climb the ladder, which I don't know why he climbed this ladder. <laughs> to fix the light bulb at the top. What was he building. thinking here? Edge is like, I don't give a damn how old you are, sir. Take your old ass to sleep. And he tipped over this ladder with <laughs> Funk on it. And Funk fell off the ladder and took a bump, which looked it looked rather pedestrian by most people's standards. But this is a 61-year-old man. Yeah. That's not a good bump. No, 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 no. I, no. I, if I was his adult kids by that point, I'm like, I would not want my 61-year-old dad to be taking bumps off of ladders. No. Sit down somewhere, Pops. Sit down. But we move on because there's still, there's still more to do. Because Edge and Mick Foley pull out a piece, a piece of plywood that was wrapped in barbed wire. Things are about to get ugly. Because they use it on Tommy Dreamer. Mm. And then because the fans in ECW just like seeing hardcore stuff, they gave Edge and Mick Foley the ECW chin. <laughs> like, <laughs> aren't they the bad guys? They were just making right. fun of y'all. <laughs> they were just making fun of y'all how like how mm. lame y'all are. And now y'all like, ECW, ECW. Yeah, yeah, like literally <laughs> proving their point. But <laughs> Right. Another person I think could have worked in ECW was rated our superstar edge but again another yeah. discussion for another day yeah. um but funk he managed to, to make the plywood fall on edge and mcfoley <laughs> mostly mcfoley though edge kind of got out of the way so he can slot out of the ring i think i think he bladed once he got out, out of the ring well it was but a good the, it was actually like a thing that looks like a mistake but it, when edge fell like the the board with the barbed wire did like graze his head or at least it may look like it so oh. maybe he did it on purpose um, maybe to make it look like that but it i at first i was like oh my god like yeah that's real but you know probably not maybe you're probably know. right he could have slid out the blade or something but either way the fans didn't care because no. they wanted fire <laughs> they were chanting we want fire okay they'll get some eventually but not quite yet because Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk had Foley in a corner and they were literally punching him in the face at the same time. Like literally the punches were landing on each side of Foley's face at the same time. <laughs> like <laughs> I've never seen that before. Okay. They would rid- like synchronized beating Mick Foley. It's like in a new Olympic sport. It was like, boom, 
boom, and it was like on point, on time. They it was actually well done. I applaud. Um, <laughs> they then tossed him into the barbed wire. So he's got barbed wire again. Then he managed to throw it on Terry Funk. Here's Terry Funk again, 60 years old. Barbed wire sticking out of his back and his arm. He's got blood running down his arm and his face. And then Mick Foley takes a piece of barbed wire and wraps it around his own arm and begins punching Terry Funk in the face with it. And this is when I know that this is the most hardcore match between either of the two one-night stands shows. We got people getting shredded up, their flesh getting shredded up with barbed wire, which looked pretty real. Okay? Then Foley rubs it in Funk's face. Okay? And if Terry Funk is like bleeding everywhere and he's crying about his eye because of course you remember the I think the empty arena match back in Memphis, Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk and it was a I think uh Lawler took a, a spike to Terry Funk's eye and he goes, My eye Oh my eye you whore my eye hurts So maybe that was a call back to that. Yeah, sucking whore, yeah, sucking dog, my eye hurts. That's my Terry Funk impersonation. Remember Terry Funk? We were talking I'm about. Have to um, that. <laughs> 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 oh, Remember great. when we uh did the uh Beyond the Mat deep dive and Terry Funk was trying yeah. to get was a dentist stamp to show up to this yeah. to then his retirement the, match because like he wasn't invited originally or something. So yeah. was like, <laughs> I want you to be my ref or something like that. <laughs> also, that match was nine years prior to this one. Here he is now doing barbed wire matches. But he was supposed to retire back in 97. Okay, Terry. Dennis <laughs> <laughs> Stamp was like, I'm not coming, bro. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I wasn't invited. I'm not working. I'm not coming. <laughs> and Terry Funk was just like, please. Can you please just show up? I would, it would really mean a lot if you were there. I'm not doing it. I'm not booked. That's what he said. Yeah. I'm not booked. So I'm not going. <laughs> this is like Terry's literally trying to book you right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be the referee in his quote unquote last match. <laughs> Which you know everybody knew it wasn't gonna be his yeah, last match, but true. this true. <laughs> I'm not booked. I'm not going. <laughs> Terry Funk, bless his heart, begged that man to go to, to the show. And he did. Dennis Stamp eventually went to that show. So shout out to Dennis Stamp. <laughs> he finally got booked for uh the Terry Funk. <laughs> I still laugh about it. It's so funny. <laughs> That's in the archives too. If you want to go back and uh, check out that deep dive, it's a long one, but just that one part alone is worth going back to listen to us talk about Terry Funk asking Dennis Stamp to show up to his again quote unquote retirement match from 1997. Uh, but back to this match, we got Terry Funk. He's bleeding out of his eye apparently. And they they show a woman in the crowd looking very very concerned and rightfully so. <laughs> like this old man is like, oh god, I'm in so much pain. Oh, you're like, oh, is he is he is he actually dying? Like, what's going on here? Is he okay? Maybe if like a Randy Orton did that, they might have not have bought in. But Terry right. Funk is an old old man by right. 2006. Something could have gone horribly wrong. Could have. Uh, but people come out. They help Terry Funk get backstage so he can get some medical help. Meanwhile, fans are chanting for Sandman. S- Sandman doesn't show up. 
he didn't get he Tommy Dreamer did not get Sandman's help on this night. Mm-mm. Sandman will come out later on because he thought uh, something else is more important than yeah. this one. Correct. We'll get to it. Well, he thought Eugene was more important than helping Tommy Dreamer. Uh, so instead of getting help from Sandman, what did Tommy Dreamer get? He got a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire to his back. <laughs> That's what you get, right? And then Mick Foley takes out Mr. Sacco. It looks like he's going to take it to Mr. to Tommy Dreamer. And instead he turns around and goes to Beulah and gives her the mandible claw with the sock on. Tommy Dreamer jumps in and stops it. But he's not. No, he's uh, outnumbered. I'll tell you. Do you when Mr. Sacco? Uh, this is. I know this isn't a WWE show, but when Mick Foley introduced Mr. Sacco in '98, it looked dirty, and it it stood out. But then when he did it like later on, there's quite literally clean socks. Did it? Did it have the same effect on you watching it? Uh, first of all, did you no. Still think it was I, fun. Like I'm like, I didn't it's think funnier when sock- it looks dirty. I didn't think of it being dirty. Like, I didn't care that it was dirty. It was just stuffing a sock down your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Because not like it's even, it's like, it's all dry. Now you're, now you're thirsty and you're yeah. choked out. Like, who wants that? Well, yeah, I guess because it's like, okay, they pride themselves on being this sports entertainment and whatever. It's like, well, it was quite literally funny when the sock looked dirty versus now it looks clean. I don't but know. But if it was dirty, it, it clean. rubs me the wrong way that they did that. Oh my god! Yeah, the logic was. It, it was bad. It, it, no logic at all. You. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. I would say though, when the sock was nice and clean and pristine white, you could see the drawings that McFoley did on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it was so, down his pants the whole time, so I, I, I guess it was right. a little sweaty. But I, w- I would, I would also just like. Just for hygiene's sake, I just wouldn't do that stuff with dirty socks. <laughs> well, just no, like make it appear dirty, not like that it was actually I get you. dirty. I don't know. I don't know how you would do that to make it appear dirty, but maybe get a gray sock. I don't know. Not not a pure I gotta white find sock. <laughs> the Mister Socko that came with Mick Foley's DVD from like 2013. <laughs> I don't know where that is. That might like just be somewhere oh, in my man. mom's house, like in her like this like the stack of DVDs she has that I used to get um, from WWE. She might have it. I don't have it. Now, that much. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long ass time neither. So, but I, yeah, if, for those who don't know, for Mick Foley's DVD back in like 2013 that WWE produced, it came inside of a sock, which is kind of dope. The packaging of it, at least that's how it was mailed to me from WWE. I'd imagine it was the same for a lot of other people too, but just saying. So, right, I got a sock like, what the hell, somewhere. man? You have the only sock that was made. You <laughs> sell that. <laughs> yeah i don't know where it is though oh, and that, yeah. that sock is like i haven't had it i got it like nine years ago it probably is legit dirty <laughs> now so it's <laughs> it's to your standards at this point well, good good so there you go happy to hear that um right before edge is about to slam bill mcgillicuddy mcgillicuddy with uh, i think it was a pump handle slam in a very suggestive way yeah uh terry funk comes back with his head all bandaged up, blood still everywhere, but head bandaged up, and he also brought a two by four, two by four that's wrapped in barbed wire with him. So more barbed wire, and he used it on Edge and Mick Foley, and then he finally gave the fans what they want. He set the damn thing on fire, and began hitting Foley with a 
barbed wire, a two by four that's wrapped in barbed wire that's also set on fire. <laughs> like, how can we up the ante? Add fire. It's always what works. Uh, and then McFoley falls through the barbed wire plywood while he was on fire. Oh my god! Good lord, his back was on fire. Was. He had to fall it through was. that to put him out. Yep. And then they extinguished him on the side, which is GCW. Make I'm sure not. you don't do fire spots. Get yourself a fire extinguisher. It helps. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm assuming uh, the plan wasn't for his clothes to catch catch fire. It was just supposed to kind of like, I guess the barbed wire part that got caught was on fire and it, it literally ignited his back a little bit. Uh, I don't think that was, I was like, maybe that would be something that happened. But for them, for me to, seeing it, I was like, oh, wow, that didn't look like his clothes were supposed to catch on fire. But at least they were prepared well, for it. That's what happened. Yeah, and and again, that's Lisa were prepared for it, and they extinguished him immediately, which is what you should what should be done right every time. But you know that's not what happened at GCW a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, see, I didn't see this. Did someone did the fire not get? Put oh, out? you didn't see this spot that happened, Joey Janela. It was recently. Yeah, it was like a month, like no more than a month ago. Joey Janela was in a match at GCW. I think it might have been one of his first matches back since he left AEW. And he set his foot on fire to super kick someone to end the match. Now, this spot has been done before in, like, Japan, where a guy would set his foot on fire real quick and then, like, a quick kick to somebody. So the kick itself pretty much puts the fire out because there's so much velocity behind it. But this was just a super kick. So there wasn't as much speed on his foot (laughs) when he did it. So he just kicks the guy. The guy lays down. But now his foot's still on fire. (laughs) And he's like, ah! And then now they're like, the referee's trying to put it out. Then they throw bottles of water in the ring, and they're trying to like douse it with water. It's like, this is bad. They were his not foot was his boot was on fire. They were not prepared to put it out with like fire extinguisher. No, not when an extinguisher. No, they they had like him sit down. He's panicking. He's freaking out, which is understandable. But then they didn't have an extinguisher anywhere around. At least from what we saw, it was just bottles of water they threw in there. And said, hey, "Good luck. <laughs> like, oh my God. hope your foot doesn't burn off." So apparently he's fine, but yeah, not smart, not smart at all. To you got to have extinguishers around, or just don't do it. And that's uh, that's also an option. I'm watching it now. Don't is set he, your foot on fire. Is he trying to take his boot off? <laughs> he's trying to. Do, he's he's freaking out. He he's trying to do whatever it takes to get that fire away from him, which I understand. It's just. Nope. No extinguisher, though. Unreal. Isn't GCW supposed to be, like, one of the most, the, the best independent uh, organizations much. out there? Pretty much. they be prepared for whatever? It's kind of the top one going right now. I mean, PWG is still kind of out there. There's AAW, AIW, but GCW definitely puts on, like, the biggest, the biggest shows right now. Mm. As far as from an independent standpoint. But you got to have a fire extinguisher, bro. Come on. Yeah, I'm not like into that type of wrestling anymore, honestly. Like I would not pay to watch that. I would not go out of my way to watch that. Um just cuz like it's it's not ECW to me. Any like that I wouldn't I don't even go back to watch a lot of ECW stuff. Uh when the flaming tables and stuff like I don't know, it's just not my cup of tea anymore. And that's okay, but it's just I don't know. That, that stuff's weird to me. <laughs> I'm a yeah, prude. I'm taste. a wrestling prude. I mean, some people love the death match. Yeah. 
people love the, the, the people who like to deathmatch stuff love it. Like they're yeah. a dedicated fan base, yeah. and they will go literally for a tournament of death in CZW out to a farm <laughs> in Delaware to watch right. it, like in the middle of nowhere. Right, like they love it. So if it's for yeah. you, that's for you. Yeah. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I, I'm i kind of half and half on it. There are times I'm like, oh, I'm interested. Like I was when they did the death match with uh, Kenny Omega and Moxley, was it t- last year or whatever yeah. it was, that ended yeah. in that dud. I was kind of, I was interested. Um, but they are also, they're also talented performers. Not everybody who does death matches are actually like right. Good. I think <laughs> that's perhaps where my thing comes into play because a lot of the footage I've seen – um, I, re- I first saw it like in FMW when ECW would like highlight that, and I wasn't really privy to that that type of those types of death matches. But there were more like talented guys, I guess. And then when you do it in independence, like you're, they're not like I don't want to say as talented, but they're not like what I'm used to seeing in the wrestling ring. So like if some like 400 pound dude is doing it, uh, trying to do a moonsault where like it's like you're not Vader, man. Like you're not. You're not these guys that I've seen do it before, and I think that's where it comes into play. Where I'm not like into independent wrestling as much as I, I was before, and I, I don't wonder if that plays a part. Where it's like I've seen people succeed doing it at, at like a big stage. Why would I want to go to like you know the flyer skate zone to watch something that I don't know? I, I don't know if that's fair or not. Probably not fair to to the talent that is there that you know, works their ass off, but it's just like, I guess, a personal uh, feel of it I mean, that I'm just not I think the it. independence is still kind of bouncing back from the pandemic and it's still figuring out who, th- th- there's, there needs to be another group of independent stars because a, a lot of the independent stars that from prior years are, they've been signed. I think I'm mostly by, talking about like the death match extraordinary. Well, yeah, that yeah, that's fair. Do that like every show or every other show or whatever. Right. Uh, the the like regular wrestling that I'm used to, like the pro wrestling, not the death match. Like I okay, I would okay, be I into got you. that. Um, I thought you talking about independent wrestling overall. No, not just I think the death I think match. Stuff. It, yeah, I think it's the death match stuff because I've been to a CCW shows that have like you know the cage of death and all that stuff, and I see videos of like the tournament of death, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not. Not into it. You know, like I, I took it in yeah. and I, I didn't like it. So at least I could say like I did experience it and it just wasn't my cup of tea rather than just say, oh, I've never seen it. Why would I do that? So at least I have experience. But uh, yeah, I think at this point, uh, that's just where I'm at. Yeah. With the whole death match thing. So seeing things like this is like, okay, back then, like it felt different i guess because it was my first really experience into those types of matches and i think the fact that ecw was readily available to view uh and i, I saw that happen and i saw like not, nothing bad like you know i just watched a video of joey janela's foot catch a fire and not being able to extinguish it like that type of stuff didn't seem to happen uh back then i don't know maybe it's just me maybe i'm in a in my own wrestling bubble when it comes to death matches but that's just where i'm at that's fair enough. I think, like I said, it's an acquired taste. It's not for everybody. If and I do, I do who, not look down on people that enjoy it. Right. I, I'm not here to say that. I'm here to say, like, if you were to put, you know, a, a re- two wrestling shows in front of me, uh, one death match and one like regular match, I'll probably watch the regular match. So, right. It's it's not like uh, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. 
It's not for everybody, but uh, but back to this match, which is like a tag team death match. Right. <laughs> um, Edge knocks Terry Funk into the barbed wire, which is where he will remain for the rest of the night, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, kind of like Mick Foley tries to catch him a little bit, but uh, right. they kind of just lay there the rest of the time. Uh, Tommy Dreamer takes some barbed wire and gets Edge in like in a crossface type of move. Yeah. Uh, Lita comes to the rescue, but is thwarted by Beulah. Uh, Dreamer didn't hit Lita with like a Death Valley driver, or they call it the Dreamer driver, I should say. But Edge attacked Dreamer with some barbed wire and then speared Beulah, then pinned her in a very suggestive sexual way to pick up the win. Uh, Edge soaking up all the heat, but I realized like if I had to think about whether it would fly today, and if the answer is no, then it, it's bad in hindsight. Yeah. You know? The, the pin attempt, the way he did it. I understand what he was doing at that point because uh, he is a rated R superstar and he had like a live sex celebration. It's the extreme show and all that stuff. But if I'm thinking about it today and if somebody did that today during a match, it would be highly frowned upon. So uh, then and I was like, yep, that's yeah. it's bad then. <laughs> like It's yeah. not good. Yeah. Um, Edge soaks up all the heat, like I said, and then he pulls Mick Foley out of the barbed wire. Meanwhile, in the ring, Tommy Dreamer and Bueller are having like a heartwarming moment because he's got her in his arms. She's like, you know, in pain and stuff like that. But meanwhile, the Funker <laughs> is just writhing in pain in the barbed wire because he's still stuck in the barbed wire. <laughs> and he's he's yelling. just like, oh, he's yelling for Tommy. He's like, Tommy, help. right? Help me! And Tommy's just in there, like, yeah, thank you, guys. thanks to everybody, you know, for watching the match. You know, we we gave it our best. <laughs> you know, it was a valiant effort. And poor Terry Funk is like, ow, <laughs> ow, help. <laughs> just Dennis, Dennis, Somebody, where are you? Dennis Stamp. <laughs> he probably begs Dennis Stamp to be there at the show. Come on, then this is my last match in, in ECW ever. That's what he framed it as. Yeah, he my said last that nine years ago. But no, this is his last ECW match. All right, which I don't know if that's even true or not. He might have wrestled on ECW TV. He might have. Um, but this is my last ECW match, Dennis. I really want you to be there <laughs> and to see me wrestle. And Dennis is like, nope, not doing it because you know why? Because I'm not booked. And Dennis <laughs> kept to his word. He didn't show up because he wasn't yeah, booked. He was not. And he would have been there to help Terry to get out of that barbed wire, but instead, he wasn't there. So Terry's on the ground, all mangled. Ow, help. Help me. Please. He was literally calling for Tommy. That was like the funniest part for me. Like, Tommy. And he's in the ring with people. Right. It's like, a, little, a little help? <laughs> you know, like, just a little bit? It's like he's headed to his wife, Terry. Relax. Look. Terry was going through it, bro. <laughs> I got things sticking into my flesh. Your wife going to be all right. <laughs> they had to cut him out of the barbed wire, though, with wire they cutters. Did. They did. That's crazy. Real crazy. But we move on to looking at John Cena and RVD getting ready for the match backstage, at shadow boxing and throwing punches and whatnot. But then Talking we move about a on. WWE production. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. In the very, uh, like, you can tell intentionally lit backstage area <laughs> with the shadows just right. You know, very, very uh, produced by WWE, very much so. But we move on to the semi-main event, technically, I guess, because it's, it's the next to last match. Weird. It is Balls Mahoney against 
Masato Tanaka back again to put his head up so somebody could swing a chair and clobber him with it. That's pretty much what he's here for. He's all scarred up and bandaged up, right? But he's here to have a chair get swung at his head, and that's what happened. Balls Mahoney landed one of the worst-looking chair shots I've ever seen delivered to another human being. And Tanaka was down for the count and got pinned. This match was really just that. Very weird. Very weird, kind of quick. The chair was mangled up. But that was like, it. I, I was get like, balls winning because Masato is not part of the new ECW. Like he's not going to be on ECW on Sci-Fi. But uh, still weird to see Balls Mahoney beat him. <laughs> like, it's just I, I, I didn't get it. But well, whatever. That's what it was. And we move on to the main event of the evening. It will be for the WWE Championship. It will be John Cena defending the title against Rob Van Dam. They had a a video package that was very well done, in my opinion. I forgot that RVD decorated the briefcase. I think he's the first person to do that. Also, he coined the term Mr. Money in the Bank. They they say that every year now. But the first, technically, Mr. Money in the Bank was RVD because he had all the nicknames already. He's Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Tuesday Night, Mr. (laughs) Pay-Per-View, Mr. Wednesday, Mr. Thursday, Mr. Mr. Everything. Okay? So when he wins Money in the Bank, naturally, he's now Mr. Money in the Bank. So... There's that for, you know, Rob Van Dam innovating yet again, as he's wont to do. But before we get to this landmark historic match, WWE thought for some reason is this was a good time to send out Eugene. Which, let's face it, this character would not go over well not, today. Not great in hindsight, but I, I thought not I knew what all. they were doing um, back then. I thought they were... Uh, as stupid as I was, I was like, oh, like they're making like a special needs superstar and they're going to push him and make him big baby face. And that's kind of how it felt. What they were trying for, for sure. While, um, especially with the Triple H stuff. Yes. But when they then, had Triple H in the bouncy house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Triple H is like, hey, yeah. Eugene, how about you do this for me? He's jumping up and down. Why did uh, they do that? I, Why did they have Triple H do that? And then he <laughs> falls out. Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like The great, you know, part of that was, you know, Eugene Costa Triple H, that Iron Man match when he faced Chris Benoit, stuff like that. That was in 04. So it's like now we're in 06 and this Eugene character is still here and didn't really, you know, become a, the biggest baby face that I thought he was going to be. So it's a little, it's a little weird at this point that, uh, you know, if you're not going to make him like this big baby face, uh, like move on, you know, f- find something else. Let's go. Triple H trying to manipulate, manipulate the guy. Like what were they doing with this? I, 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 I just don't understand what they were doing with <laughs> Triple H and Eugene in 04. But here's Eugene out in the ring, unannounced, on ECW, talking yeah. about how much he loved ECW. <laughs> and he wrote a poem and he read the poem. <laughs> and 
he got booed mercilessly by these people. And it's like <laughs> WWE sent him out there to get cussed out by all these people. You know, it's funny. I di- I didn't clip it, but uh, I guess you know the fans were already chanting, you know, shut the f up, Adam. And he was like, "Good luck to you too." <laughs> Look to his credit, Nick Dinsmore, who played Eugene, did a good job with he the did. character. He, he did, did his best. I wouldn't recommend having this person as a, like having a character like this. Because you're making light of special needs people, right? In in a lot of ways, um, I absolutely but, look at it differently now than I did in 2006. Exactly, with you know me working in education and stuff. So it's definitely not something unless you're uh, and then highlighting Sandman come- it differently, uh, the way they differently than the way they did in 40506. Uh, you know, not yes. not again. Not not great. And then Sandman comes out. He makes his entrance because he he had, this was more important than Tommy Dreamer. You know the fans wanted him yeah. for Tommy Dreamer. No, he had to deal with Eugene, right. right? And they play his music, and his entrance is still you know dope, but it's not the same without Into Sandman as a song. His WWE music was not not was not hitting at all. It was not it, right? Uh, Sandman, but I will say Sandman got in shape. For his WWE run. Because he got signed by WWE. He was in the video games and everything. Like, Sandman was in SmackDown vs. Raw 2008. I vividly remember this. I had the game. So, and he got in shape, boy. Like, for Sandman standards, he was felt. He was ripped up by this point. But he comes out, and he canes Eugene. And the fans are going nuts. What a wild scene this is. And then, because we got Sandman beating a special needs person with a Singapore cane and making him beg for mercy and then showing him none because he hit him again. And this was like entertainment. (laughs) People were going, yay, get him out of here. Why that happened before this historic match? No clue. Did they have Uh, to pad for time? Why was this happening? Why was this even a thing? And I don't even think Eugene was uh, part of the ECW brand. He wasn't. They just used a special so. needs person to heal up the fans and get them riled up so Sandman can come in and he can get the big pop. They could have did that with anybody. Classic ECW. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But we move on to the actual main event of the evening. It is now time for this championship match between John Cena and Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam makes his entrance first. The crowd's going nuts. And then they have, like, between the entrances, just this downtime. And the fans are going nuts for John Cena. Not in a good way, necessarily, but just they couldn't wait to boo him. It almost made me think that they wanted to boo John Cena more than they wanted to cheer RVD. (laughs) Like, like they couldn't wait to boo John Cena. And it's still, when he came out for his entrance, and the music hits, and you see him walk out with the title, it's like, still, to this day, kind of surreal. To see John Cena in this environment. This is not your 20,000 seat arena with the big stage and the whole, all this space for him to do the salute and all that stuff and run to the ring. It's just him out there, like, oh, wow. (laughs) What is going on here? And the image of him walking down the aisle while holding the title belt above his head is kind of low key iconic now. (laughs) Like, him holding it up with his head down, just walking through, like walking through the haters, still doing his thing. It's low-key, like I said, an iconic shot in wrestling history now. 
Like this was a moment in time when John Cena was essentially not in the actual ECW arena, but WWE version of the ECW arena. <laughs> right. Sort of, you know. WWE ECW <laughs> arena. <laughs> right. The Hammerstein Ballroom. It was still kind of wild to see John Cena with the spirit belt in ECW. I think you're you're you hit the nail on the head when they were more excited to boo John Cena than they were to cheer Rob Van Dam. As much as they're supporting RVD, oh man, wait till Cena comes out. Even Taz says it right there. Still a banger, by the way. <laughs> yes, sir. I'd say in person, it probably sounds a lot louder. Cool talk. John Cena, man. I give him credit, bro. Not everybody, not every top guy. I mean, sure, he's being paid to do it. It's another night at the office. But, man, he did it, though. And he was the top guy that went into this very hostile environment. <laughs> it was like a, a team. It was like the Cowboys coming to Lincoln Financial Field with a division title on the line against the Eagles. You know how hostile of an environment that is. It was like when the Nets played here back on March 10th and people was hoping Ben Simmons was going to play against the Sixers. Like that level of hostile. And it's just him. He's out there alone, pretty much. I give him credit, man. Like, and him, same thing with Orton. These guys are these are not. They were not built for this type of these environments. They are. They were tailor made to be superstars for the masses, not guys wrestling in twenty five hundred seaters in extreme rules matches. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? These I, are I, guys I, were born and bred for like the big time. Yeah, yeah they're here. Yeah, and I. It makes me think. I read something uh, or like a headline this morning or yesterday that John Cena gave Cody Rhodes advice on how to deal with like the polarizing audience uh, reactions that he was getting. And I got to think at this time there was no no one. I don't I don't think that John Cena could have turned to for advice because uh, the people that were getting like polarizing reactions, especially like heels. Uh, in the eighties and nineties, they, it wasn't really on TV. It was, uh, maybe those house shows and, you know, the fans would like, you know, come close to riding or attacking, but those guys were used to that type of stuff. Uh, they knew what to expect cause they had people around them telling them, Hey, like you might want to get out of Dodge pretty quickly. I'm not so sure. I I'm sure they had people work for WWE that, that felt that. But I mean, like in this era in like 2006, it's a lot different than the 80s and even 90s. So, like, for Cena to deal with that from 05, you know, late 05 and into this year, uh, I'll tell you, man, like, I think he proved himself as one of, like, the best of all time because uh, it did not af- affect him one bit on screen. Now, maybe behind the scenes, you know, it's a different story, but, my God, like, he embraced every single time, <laughs> like... He's like, you he may to, hate me, but I'm not changing who I am type of thing. Resolve, it was one of those things. He had a resolve that is to be admired, yes. honestly. Yes. Like, that, I, 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 look, I applaud. John Cena's dope. And I, I remember saying it 
man, maybe like 2016, 2017 on a podcast. Because we knew where John Cena's career was going. He wasn't going to be full-time forever. And I remember saying, maybe it was after he did the U.S. title stuff. And like, you know, when he was doing the, having a great matches week after week after week. And I remember saying like, yo, there's going to come a time where John Cena isn't around every week. And their, their appreciation for what he is, what he's done is going to exponentially increase mm-hmm. amongst all the fans. And it, it was Not already the, on the up at the time, but it's right. it going to go even further up. By right. now, yeah. It's and by all the fans too, not just like oh the casuals or the, like the young right. teeny boppers. No, I'm talking about the diehards, the same people who were booing him 15 years ago, the same <laughs> yeah. people who are like, man, John Cena's one of the goats today. Yeah, exactly. He's earned their respect. He should have earned. He should have earned their respect on this night alone <laughs> from doing this. But it took a while longer. But he has it now. I don't think you can find any wrestling fan that's out there that's like, no, John Cena stinks. No, 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 no. John Cena is dope. For what he's done at a high level, a sustained level for as long as he's done it, you got to respect that. And it, I think this week is like, I think they're doing, WWE's doing like a Cena month thing because I think this is like the yeah. 20th anniversary be, of his debut. He'll be on Raw on June 27th. There you go. So. And they, they need him, right? <laughs> they need him bad. But like, it is to be commended. Not many people can have the run at the high at a high level the way Cena had it, and keep his nose out of trouble. What controversies mm-hmm. has Cena had? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's never been on the wrong side of different things. Like, yeah, there's been some stories about him. Like maybe he uses a little bit of his influence here and there, overstepped his boundaries here and there, but nothing outrageous, nothing like egregious to like what well, it's like Hogan politicking to get the title and from <laughs> Bret Hart in '93 type stuff, right? <laughs> He might have made a he might have made a misstep here and there, but nothing to said like Cena's a bad person. For all intents and purposes, for everybody, at least what everybody said is like, oh, he's dope. Well, that's pretty cool actually. So again, yeah, John Cena has plenty of flowers. He don't need ours, but we're gonna give it to him because like, like he, this night alone is like a testament to like just he's a he's a beast, bro. He's a beast. Yeah. And he's yeah. missed. He is sorely missed mm. by WWE because not just for the fact that he can sell tickets, he can be box office, and he, you know, I know he's doing movies now, so his name is only getting bigger as the days go by. But he can work. John Cena in main events is fantastic, especially with the right opponent. Especially with the right opponent. Maybe not necessarily with Bray Wyatt, but like with CM Punk or Edge or uh, Kevin Owens. Or, AJ Styles, those matches he had with AJ Styles were classics. So yeah, Cena is is the guy. He's that guy. He's been that guy for a long time. Aha, uh-huh, no, that's right. So that's just that. Um, but Cena was not that guy at ECW on this <laughs> night in 2006 because he took the shirt off, and he always does this, right? Takes the shirt off and throws it into the crowd. Even in 06, he was doing it every night. And every night, some lucky fan was like, oh, God, I got John Cena's shirt Woo-hoo. straight off his back, straight to eBay. <laughs> straight to eBay after I get this signed by John Cena at a convention sometime in the near future. However, when he would throw that shirt into the stands, the fans in ECW threw it back. <laughs> and security just let them throw stuff into the ring, by the way. But he did it again. He would, he would take the shirt up. was like, all right, I'll try this side. And kudos to Cena for realizing like this is a thing that I can do here right, to get some yeah. heat. Yep. Because he knew it was going to get thrown back every time. I'm sure he knew it. Yep. 
but it's the like this is part, a way to get heat. He did it what two or three times, and then he went right to the ref. Like <laughs> he knew how to play it so well because it's like you're going to the ref, and now they're gonna even get louder against you. Right? Like, he knew. And now you're complaining. Exactly. And he threw it. He threw it multiple times, and the he, fans threw it back every single time. Wild. <laughs> the one fan it grabbed was, it. Uh, was like spinning on it or something and threw it, but it didn't. <laughs> it hit like the first Bro. row or second row, and then another guy grabbed it, wiped his ass with what? it, threw what it back, it? gave him the double bird like that. Was so like hilarious. he cussed that F-U. black guy, the black F-U. bald guy. Yeah. <laughs> who I think I can't remember who he was to ECW. He was a guy in ECW. Like he was that. because he, was he like had a, he had Superman. like a, a lanyard, so he had to be like working yeah. something. <laughs> He's like a super fan of some sort. I think he helped him out in certain way. I can't remember exactly what he did. Because I, I think he was featured on like the Barbed Wire City documentary that was done okay. back in like 2013 or something like that. Um, I want to say he was on that documentary. I could be wrong. But he's like a guy. I remember seeing his... I've seen his face before, that particular guy. But yes, he was fired up. <laughs> Wiped his butt, threw the shirt... Flipped a double bird and was cussing Cena straight out. Like he hated this man's guts. Cena was staring straight at him, too. It's like the like, funniest thing, man. Why do you hate me? Who hurt you? I didn't hurt you. Why do you hate me so much? Why do you have this much vitriol for me? <laughs> man, that one guy in particular was upset with John Cena. <laughs> F you. I hate you. Like, oh my God. It's not healthy to have that much of a dislike or a hatred for another person, another human being. You need to get that off your heart. That's not healthy. I'll never forget that moment uh, in my life. I do hope it was part of, of the show, but oh my God, it was so funny. So I'm sure funny. that guy is probably a John Cena fan. He would take <laughs> all the pictures in the world with John Cena, as would everybody else in that building. But man, in that moment... He saw his worst enemy, <laughs> like pretty much. Wow, I don't think I can't remember the last time I like been that upset with somebody and I cussed they straight at blah blah blah, like yelled at the top of my lungs. What? Man, that's crazy. That's wild. But I will say this was actually fantastic, though. It was just a way to make the fans part of the storytelling of the match. So it wasn't like the fans taking over the match. They were just a piece of the storytelling of the whole thing. It's a whole presentation. And I like that. I thought this was dope. It's just another it's just another setting uh, another uh, scene setter just to let you know just how hostile this crowd is towards John Cena. I thought it was brilliant. As vulgar and as turned up all the fans were, it was brilliant. They played their role expertly well. <laughs> like, I don't think, and some of them, I don't think they were playing a role. They might have no. legitimately <laughs> hated John Cena for whatever reason. But yeah, that was that was a scene there, that something out of a movie. Yeah, like you are out of place here, so you don't belong here. Type thing. Like that was, and he's like, and again, he's the poster child for sports entertainment. He's been that for a long time, but especially at this point, he was the poster child for sports entertainment, and it was everything that all the fans in the building hated. He represented, so he yeah. was the pretty boy, yeah. clean cut, 
chiseled from granite kind of guy like that you would see like in a movie that would be like the big star like huh you know shaking hands and kissing babies kind of guy even though he had like a spinner belt and he rapped and stuff like that (laughs) but like you know what i mean like he just fit that poster boy kind of ideal and they hated every second of it and i guess rvd represented the everyman that you know never got his proper due until tonight until one night stand 2006 they even threw toilet paper at that man <laughs> like he was jimmy rave rest in peace jimmy rave they threw toilet paper at him though like he was pulling out they would he would do a move and they would say same old you know stuff you know i'm just cleaning it up for our family you know our, our, our yeah. young listeners out there yeah. He would then he would pull out a new move right after. <laughs> he did what well, he shoved RVD off the top rope. Then he did he did a dive from the top rope outside of the ring on like a like a club across RVD's back. He had never done that, <laughs> and the fans acknowledged that it was a new trick. But they, they were still like, "You still suck." Yeah, I'm like come on, <laughs> he can't win. <laughs> he can't win. The fans were relentless, ruthless. They never let up on John Cena. Mm-mm. Not for a second. To his credit, though, Cena played the role of the heel masterfully. And I wrote here, he would have been a tremendous heel if Vince McMahon ever had decided to do so. And at this point, is I think it's that, that ship is passed oh, by 2022. Oh, yeah. But let's say if they had turned him heel, which was the original plan to do so, I believe in 2012, Cena actually admitted, he actually said in an interview years ago that he actually bought new gear for a heel turn that never happened. <laughs> so he was ready. And he was ready to change up everything to turn heel, never pull the trigger. But he would have been a tremendous heel, like tribal chief level heel. Pretty much what Roman Reigns is now, he could have been that in 2012, 2013. And he would have been fantastic. Fantastic. Because he was fantastic on this night. He got a lot of offense in on RVD, which was not the norm for John Cena matches. We know the norm for John Cena matches, especially at this point. You know the norm, Nick. You know the formula. (laughs) It was John Cena gets his ass whooped. He hits a five-knuckle shuffle, a backdrop. Uh, then the attitude adjustment, and he wins. <laughs> Boom, bam, thank you, ma'am, we out. But this was not that. He was doing a lot in this match. And it's funny because the fans kept chanting, you can't wrestle, even when he was like, you said, bring it out a new thing here and there. I was like, you know what? You still can't wrestle. <laughs> right, they just didn't let up. Relentless on John Cena. And then at one point he gets frustrated and he knocks the the... The referee, the hell out, just like smack the hell out, like Booker T would say. The ref is down, okay? Then Cena just hauls off and hit RVD with the steel steps. Like, he's hitting him with everything. Like, Cena was going off. Like, with all the, the, the anger he had toward the fans, he was letting it all out in this match. And poor RVD was a victim because he's getting hit with everything, right? Including the kitchen sink, okay? But then out of nowhere, just as it looks like Cena's going to win the match, a man hops into the ring with a trench coat and a motorcycle helmet. Security, by the way, nowhere to be found. <laughs> and Spears Edge, or Spears Cena, <laughs> spoiler, it's Edge oh, under the oh, helmet. No. 
but he spears Cena through the table. The person then takes the helmet off in a Scooby-Doo reveal and reveals himself to be Edge. That was a moment as well. The WWE was heavy in this show. <laughs> it was. There's a lot like, of WWE moments. Like what? <laughs> but what the hell is the point of the helmet if you're going to just take it off anyway? What's well, I guess because they were going through the table, right? So he wanted to protect his head. So I... But he done, he speared people through the table without the helmet before. It was just for the moment of him revealing himself and then right. leaving. Right, yeah. But it was stupid. It didn't make any sense. Well, he also didn't want John Cena to notice it was Edge first. So okay, maybe, but, I don't know. Yeah, but once he watched the footage back, he can see his Edge. Also, well, I'm he saying can see the, that in the moment. You can tell you know, his edge. when he starts oh, running towards moment. him. Okay. He's like, I know it's Edge, so I'm going to move out of the way versus who's running at me. I don't know who it is, and I'm going to stand there. St- you're going to stand there? Okay. <laughs> so going to take that hit, huh? Okay. Yep. That person was clearly running at him with, with bad intentions. <laughs> he was. <laughs> so it wasn't like this person politely walked up to him and he just smacked the taste out of his mouth. He ran after him. So, but that happens. Okay. Big moment there. ECW fans were elated. They couldn't be happier. They thanked Edge just moments they after did. booing him out of the <laughs> building. For the last two years, by the way. Remember Matt freaking Hardy and all that stuff? <laughs> yeah. Couldn't hate, couldn't have hated uh, this man more. Yet here he is. And like they literally said, Thank you, Edge. RVD pops up and he takes advantage. He is a five star frog splash. He tried to wake up the referee because the second referee, I should say, who was also knocked out by Edge. Uh, that didn't work. But Paul Heyman runs down, counts to three, and crowns RVD the new WWE champion, which will be eventually rechristened, as they kept saying, rechristened the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Big Show and the rest of the gang from ECW run down and celebrate with RVD. In his finest hour, this was the biggest moment of RVD's career, and still the case to this day. I'm speechless. Come on, Rob, go with Rob Hill. Capitalize. We'll take it. Go, Rob. Go be proud, Rob. Go for it. Do it. There's no riff, though. Van Dam up top. We need a riff at it. Go. But then things got went got derailed. Not long after this, less than a month after this, actually, when RVD was stopped 
in Ohio on a Ohio highway, so US, U.S. Route 52 in Ohio on July 2nd. He had won the title just less than a month prior, June 11th. But when he got stopped for speeding, they found uh, a whole bunch of drugs and stuff and paraphernalia on him and also Sabu. Damn. And instead of, you know, WWE letting it slide, which they probably would have. I think that WWE honestly would have let this slide if it was a John Cena who did this. But it was RVD. And they had plans for him. I guess they were just disappointed that this happened so soon after winning the title that they stripped him of the title. And he had suspended for 30 days. And I think this is, is this post-wellness policy? Or is it pre-wellness policy? Because I don't, I know they, I think they tried to implement something after Eddie Guerrero's death, but I'm not, I think they really implemented something after Chris Benoit's I death. remember mostly after Chris Benoit, so this is, this could have been before that. Right. Maybe they implemented it after Eddie's death, but it didn't come under scrutiny until Benoit's death. Uh, and perhaps they changed something around, so. I don't know. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it was. It was instituted initially initiated, initially initiated, in February two thousand six, after Eddie Guerrero's death, according to uh, the interwebs out there. So there, that is. If this happened a year prior, maybe nothing would have happened. But. It happened right after they had instituted this wellness policy after Eddie Guerrero's death, which was a very high-profile death, obviously. Eddie Guerrero was a big star. So the, the timing was poor, and RVD never really got back to that position ever again. And he was gone from, by, like, 2007. He came back here and there, but he was. this was just pretty much his last, like, real run in WWE. Yeah, he came back... Uh, Money in the Bank 2013 in Philly. Yes. He came back, but then it was, like... He was here and then left for a while and came back. I think that right. happened a couple times. He didn't have a sustained um, run. Like I, I was hoping been. that 2013 return would result in him, you know, getting that second chance, but it never did. And it's just like, never well, did. that sucked. <laughs> right. So and there's that. But there is ECW one night and from 2006. What a night it was. What, what were your thoughts? After seeing RVD finally reach the mountaintop and become WWE champion, I was actually really excited for a third brand because it was something new. I think it was the first time WWE was doing something like that, um, making a third brand seem as important as Raw and SmackDown. And the fact that it was ECW, that you know the rumors going around it was going to be very different than Raw and SmackDown, and it obviously was. You know, you had the different production. Uh, Angles, I guess you could say, the different entrance and stuff. The fact that it was live after SmackDown was taped was interesting because uh, you would watch Tuesday night, you would watch a live ECW, and then Thursday or Friday, you would watch the tape to SmackDown, which is uh, funny. That was taped in the same night. Uh, I liked the idea, but then obviously a month later, everything was derailed, and it just never felt the same. You know, they tried to make it a third brand, eventually like an almost developmental type brand. And even then, I was just kind of out on it. Even though, like you said earlier, CM Punk, uh, John Morrison, those types of guys got like their feet wet in, in the main event scene. But uh, for me, as like an ECW diehard at that time, 
just wasn't the same. I was like, that. I'm just going to watch old ECW stuff from like the 90s on the, I think at that time it was the WWE 24-7. So I was just like, eh, I'm not, not about this. And uh, I just got tired of it. And I was actually happy when they decided four years later uh, to get rid of it in, in favor of NXT. So uh, the original NXT, not, not the one that was taped from like full sale. But uh, yeah, I mean, like so much hype going into it and excitement uh it was the first time i was really like damn everything is just gonna go back to the same when it it's like there's all these new things that, uh like 2016 the the draft <laughs> you know the the yep. uh, brand split again it's just i like, tried to tell y'all i know i tried to tell y'all like I it, told e- you. ecw was just like the first of many uh for me like look just look what happened to nxt i know I Look know. what happened to NXT. As soon as Triple H got sick, yeah, it was like, whoop. And they took, they got rid of his whole team. <laughs> and like, you know what's going to happen here. This is going to be WWE. It's going to be Vince McMahon's vision of yeah. NXT now. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Vince McMahon has his formula, bro. And, and his homies have their formula. They know what Vince also likes. So they revert right. back to that. That's all they yep. know. Yep. And it's. the problem was, it was outdated in 2006. It looks hella outdated now. Just It's just <laughs> whack. We just need something different. We, w, I think wrestling as a whole could use a bit of a refresh in how it's presented, but definitely WWE needs some new vision in there. It needs a. It's it's the product is bad for the most part. It's as bad as it's been in a long time, and it doesn't. It just seems like there's just no new creative energy in there. And we've seen it multiple times when they think, oh, get our hopes up. There's going to be something new, something different. They're going to actually do some changes now. And you know they're going to give it a little bit of time. And eventually Vince McMahon's going to get impatient because it's not being done the way he likes it to be done. So he's going to do it eventually. At some point, it took a while for, for NXT because Triple H was there. But once they went on USA, that was the beginning of the end, honestly, because now they had they had to live up yeah. to expectations. Vince McMahon's expectations. Right. Screwed the whole like they had to live up to Vince McMahon's expectations now. And if they don't hit Vince McMahon's maybe lofty, too lofty expectations, he's gonna pull the plug. That's what happened with ECW. That's what happened with NXT. It's what happened with the brand split, which we're I'm just waiting any day now for them to pull the plug on. No. They've unified the tag titles. They've unified the world titles. They should unify the women's titles. What are we doing at this point? Other than to appease your television partners. They, I mean, obviously, they're going to have their shows regardless. It doesn't really matter who they have on them. You know, live television is live television. But look, I told y'all when the brand split first happened, they're not going to do it right. So I don't want to see it. What's the point? And everybody's like, oh, no, but it's going to be great this time. Nope. No, it's not. Who still runs the company? Vince. <laughs> when they brought in Paul Hammond and Eric Bischoff, oh, Paul Hammond will have more creative vision. Eric Bischoff, what he's going to do. Eric Bischoff lasted like two months. Hammond lasted, what, like six, maybe eight, maybe a year. I don't think he even got a year. It was just more people for Vince McMahon to blame when things weren't going that well. And he'll eventually say, you know what? Screw it. I do it myself. And <laughs> or he'll hire people that will do it for him the way he wants it to be done. So, they say, look, 
This ain't this is the, him and Paul Heyman clash in 06. They clashed again in what 19 and 20 or whatever it was. And we're done. Clash again <laughs> at some point. Probably. Maybe. Especially if Paul Heyman is put back into a position where he has like he gets to make creative decisions. When he's an on-screen character, we don't hear about that stuff. Right. So there's that. But hey, look, Rob Van Dam deserved to be in this top spot. It was a long time coming for him. He's one of my favorites as a kid. So I was extremely happy, no pun intended, to see Rob Van Dam reach the mountaintop. And he's walking around with two titles. He's walking around with the ECW title and a WWE title. That was dope for the couple weeks that we had it until things went left. But uh, this was a fun night of wrestling, though, for at least for, from one standpoint of Rob Van Dam. We also got the, that crazy match with, the, with Edge and McFoley. Um, we got a cool opener with uh, Randy Orton and Kurt Angle. So if you just took this, this show in a vacuum, you'd be like, hey, man, they got some stuff going for ECW in the future. We know what happened. <laughs> but on this night, it looked like the future was going to be bright for extreme championship wrestling. But that was not to be. What is time to wrap it up for episode 328. So, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. Follow me at underscore Picone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can find my stuff at phillyinfluencer.com and foxphlgambler.com. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. You can find my professional tweets at Philly Inquire on Twitter. My non-professional ones, again, at Vaughn M. Qui- Vaughn M. Johnson. <laughs> not Vaughn M. Inquire. That's not my handle. Uh, Vaughn M. Johnson. It's just my employer, not my handle. Um, but uh, you can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio. If you want to request a future deep dive, which we will be getting back into soon, head on over to Patreon.com. Pay the old fee of two dollars right i don't know why i always forget how much we charge on patreon i'm sorry i'm a bad uh business person i guess but we're there you can put in your request (laughs) you can put in a request and we shall fulfill it and we'll even have you make a cameo on the show all for that small low low price Head on over again to patreon.com slash shooters radio. Check us out on social media and whatnot. And we'll be putting up a new poll at some point in the future asking your for your input on a new deep dive as well. So, yeah, be on the lookout for all that stuff. We got a lot of good stuff coming. It should be a lot of fun this summer, including we're gonna we're doing a live commentary soon, right? Yeah. Should be uh, we we're penciling in blood and guts to be our next live commentary. So be on the lookout for that in the near future. But until next time, for Nick Picone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for li- listening to episode three twenty eight of the Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next time. Listen to the Straight Shooters. This Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania ten, and you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone at the Straight Shooters, y'all. <laughs>